sports is going on here? No sports, no rock, no information for mindless chatter. We're your station. Cowboy. The Mike Rutherford Show. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Well, I'm packing up my game and I'm head out west where real women come equipped with scripts and find a nest in the hill. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 9th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you, as always, from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Visit business.louisville.edu to see what the UofL College of Business can do for you. We're on the air today from 3 until 530 uh, before we hand things over to the Louisville Bats here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. Uh, you know us better as the Big X. Here with Trevor Kelsey on a somber Tuesday in the world of Louisville Cardinal sports. Um, if you have not heard the news, I'm imagining you have at this point. But if you haven't, uh, Denny Crum, the father of Cardinal basketball, the man who took Louisville from an upper echelon program to a national powerhouse, has passed away. At the age of 86, he died this morning. Still no word on arrangements, uh, anything like that. I'm sure there will be celebrations of life. Uh, we'll talk about all of our reactions. But first, before we get into any of this stuff, uh, I guess I hate to TK. Not a not a happy Tuesday, certainly a, a down Tuesday, but uh, how are you this afternoon? Uh, not too bad. I mean, it's, just, it's one of those things, I mean, you kind of, you know it's coming eventually, I guess, sure. but still... I mean, that doesn't mean it still doesn't hurt. It doesn't make you sad. doesn't, you know, Pete, I know we've talked about in the past where, like, you know, people maybe affiliate Patino with Louisville more than maybe Crumb because of the, 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 the time thing. But it'll still always be Crumb to me. I mean, I'm that's the coach I'm always going to think of. It's the coach I grew up, I loved, my grandparents loved, and hearing about Denny and, and, and you know, all, everybody, every, all the adults in my life were just fascinated with him and loved him. And that's so why I grew up loving him. And, and why wouldn't you? And, Having just to be lucky to you know meet him on multiple multiple occasions, getting to do interview with or, you know a show with him before with Handsome Jimmy, and it is just, it is just a sad day. I mean, because he's right. I mean, this is the the Godfather of Louisville basketball. I mean, it's Louisville was was a, a good program, and he made it a great program, and, I, uh, and 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 not only that, but just you know chose Louisville over you know going back west and just and staying here and. You know, never leaving and always being at games up until just last year. I mean, it just yeah, it is. It it is a sad day. I think you're right in saying it's one of those things that you know is coming. We've all sort of, I mean, for years we prepare ourselves. You know that that legends are going to pass away, especially once they get into their 80s. Yeah, and there've been you know there, there were some murmurings months ago that his health had taken a a, a turn for the worst. Um, thankfully, that wound up not being. The, the case, he, you know, he was the, the reports that were out there were you know, his passing's imminent and all this stuff, and that didn't happen. You know, you've had multiple strokes in the last few years, so you know when a when a a local legend or somebody who means a great deal to you hits a certain age that you know it's coming. I don't think it makes it any easier. I mean, this is a when the moment actually comes, you're still floored. I mean, when when I got the text this morning that said, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that that Denny Crum has passed. It's, it hit you like a ton of bricks. I mean, you get that sinking feeling in your stomach. There's nothing that can prepare you for actually having to deal with the passing of someone who means a great deal to you. And if you're listening to this, my my hunch is that Louisville men's basketball means a great deal to you. I know that it means um, 
the world to me. I think I speak for Trevor when I say that it means the world to him. Sometimes maybe too much in our probably, but, but yeah, it does. And this is the man who basically is the the architect of everything that we know in the modern history of Uval men's basketball. Like TK said, I mean, you had a it was a good program before he arrived here. He then takes it to a point where Louisville's the team of the '80s. They've won multiple national titles. They are talked about in terms of one of the 10 best programs in the history of the sport. That's Denny Crum. There is no Louisville men's basketball as we know it without Denny Crum. I'm a trendsetter, too. I mean, people don't give Crum and those 80s teams credit for the up-and-down, high-flying offense that they give it to, you know, Houston and UNLV and teams like that when Louisville was doing it and doing it at a higher success rate than they were. Doctors of Dunk. Yes. High-post offense scheduling ridiculously difficult in the non-conference. That's all Denny Crum. No fear. All these things that became in vogue later on, you know, 90s, early 2000s, you know, having your team. I mean, you know, before there was ever Tom Izzo, Denny Crum was Mr. March. He was the guy that was willing to take some lumps in November and December because he knew it was going to have his team in the best possible position to win by the time that the games that mattered the most rolled around. I love the quote. One of the things that I love the most when I was doing researching stuff for the book because like you like you know we 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 miss the the halcyon days of Denny Crum. We miss the the 1980s when the, I was 1 years old when when he won his second national title. So I knew more of like the 90s Denny Crum and you go back and not that he didn't have a whole lot of swagger in the 90s and was was outspoken in the 90s, but when he was really taking the sport by the you know what's and, and just establishing Louisville as a powerhouse. Some of the quotes that I found like just were were so fun when I was researching the way that they st- scheduled, which was, again, not commonplace back in the, in the 1980s. He was asked about it the day before they played Duke in the 1986 national title game. And he said, I could arrange a patsy schedule, win 30 games, and be coach of the year. But as a coach, I feel secure about myself. I'm not worried about keeping my job. I'm more concerned with us being the best team we can be at the end of the year every year. If we played a patsy schedule, we wouldn't be here. I don't get paid to be the coach of the year. I get paid to get Louisville to go as far as we can go each year. I mean, you badass look, quote. I mean, you think about it. I mean, I know seating began in 79. So you go, you know, in the 20 years he was with Louisville, he won two national, in that span, he won two national titles, went to what, four final fours and was number one seed. It's unreal. I mean, he was two seeds in multiple times, but he was, I, I, and I could be wrong. I mean, somebody correct me, but I'm pretty sure he was never a one seed. I think that you're right. I mean, I, I know that we were we, two and 80 and we were two and 86, I believe. 83 is the only one. That I'm not. I think we may have been. A, I think we were like number two in the country going into okay, that. Well, maybe I, I think that was right. the one year that we may have been a, a one seed. I always thought we weren't, but I could be wrong. You, I, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure either. But I know that I know that we won. We won our two national titles. We definitely. Yeah, won. we were the two seed in both of, them, of those. I'm we were a one seed in '83. Okay, well, so because okay. that was you know a lot of people say the greatest team to not win a national title here, and certainly they had a record to back that up. But but for the most part, yeah, he was yeah. willing to sacrifice being a one seed, willing to sacrifice. I mean, think about it. We had never been number one in the AP poll until we did it in the regular season in 2013 because we always took too many early season losses with our great teams in the 80s to be ranked number one in, in the middle of the season. It, wanted to play, and still wanted to add Kentucky as well, despite their, their hiding. I mean, one of the great videos in the history of Louisville sports is the, the before the 83 game where they're talking about why they won't schedule them. And he's like, he's like, we talked to Coach Hall. And, he's like, and he wouldn't give you an answer, would you? And he's like, he tried to walk out of the interview. And Crummish goes, well, that's typical. Yeah. Like, it, it's so good. I mean, he... He doesn't. He he deserves for all the credit that we give him for the modern stature of the program. 
The rivalry he also deserves a ton of credit for. If there is no Denny Crum in the 1980s, Kentucky probably ducks Louisville for another 20 years. Maybe if, they, they might still be. What if we lose that game in 83? We, we might never play that. And we were losing it one time, and it was Crum who went to the press and, and came back, and we just dominated him in overtime. The other thing about, uh, about Denny that strikes me, and I, I wrote this today. If you tried to tell his story today, I don't think anybody would buy it. If you tried to make a, a movie about the Denny Crum's Louisville love affair, people would see it as like overly fanciful, impossible to believe. You've got Harry this. Bruckheimer did this. Yeah, you, you, you've got this guy who is. I mean, he's a West Coast lifer. His yep. entire life is spent on the West Coast. He's groomed by the coach in the sport, yep. the most legendary coach in college basketball. He is a part of the greatest dynasty in the history of college basketball. Thomas he goes across the country to a program that, again, was good when he got here, but had never won a national title, had never been counted among the elite of the elite. He gets an opportunity after taking that program to an eight, to another level. Goes to a Final Four in his first year. We've been to one Final Four before him, I think. I think that's it. I think his yeah. first year we, we go to a Final Four. Um, and the first year we do, We yeah. won the what the NIBA, NAIA national like title, whatever, like which, which was a, a thing back then, but certainly not on par with winning a national championship at the NCAA level. But he takes Louisville to a, a different level and then gets the opportunity to be the man who takes over the program, the man who takes over the dynasty, the man who can build on what the greatest coach in the history of the sport had been able to accomplish. He says no thanks. He says no, not going back out to my hometown, not going back out to the program that molded me, not going back out to take over for the man who's been my idol. I'm going to stay here at Louisville. Stays here forever. Stays here until he gets forced out at the end of his career, and then even after that, can't find it in his heart to coach anywhere else. Doesn't want to go anywhere else. Stays here, goes to home games, supports the program, despite what I have to assume are some significantly ill feelings about the way that things ended. Shows up at games for the next you know, 25 years. Supports the program every single time out. When he gets asked about it, I love the quote, and it's what I ended the story with today. When he gets asked about, how could you possibly not go back home? How could you possibly not go back to UCLA? How could you possibly not take the opportunity to be remembered as the man who built on John Wooden's legacy? He said, you can't spend 30 years at a place and not grow to love it, or you'd have been long gone way before. The fact that I loved it here and they seemed to want me here, it just seemed to go on for a long time. That's special. It's not a common thing in this business for coaches to stay at one place. There's only a few of us who get a chance to do that. What I never expected when I originally took the job was the love that I developed for this university and the people of this city. After a while, there was just no place else I wanted to be. I mean, that's like that's the dream. And it's a it's a dream that's not real in 99.5% of cases anymore. We all as fans, whether we're talking pro level, college level, whatever, we all have this dream when we hire a new coach that they're going to come here they're going to elevate our program or our franchise to another level, and then they're going to fall in love with us so much that they're just going to stay here forever. That's not reality. It's not, even when you have, I mean, look at the, the, the people who have played at schools before, the people who grew up at schools before. They still, for the most part, either leave or get told to leave. Denny Crum is that dream realized. He, he's that .05%, that point whatever percent of a guy who comes here, kills it, 
and falls in love with the place so much that he just can't bring it upon himself to go anywhere else. That's the Denny Crum Louisville story to me, and it's always going to be. And I, mean, I don't know if there's another one out there like him. I mean, it'd be I'd be hard. I mean, you you give me a couple of days, maybe I'd think about it hard enough. I just don't know if I can. I mean, I yeah. I mean, especially like you said, to turn down. I mean, wasn't he just you know played at UCLA and you know and coached at UCLA? He's from Los Angeles. He was born yeah. and raised there. Spent yeah. the first you know until he came here in '71. I guess he'd been there for just spent his first thirty years of his life there. You know, and then and. That's how much, you know, the impact of the Louisville, you know, made on him. You said, you mentioned, and just, I mean, you can't wonder if he, if he turned, he, what if he does go back to UCLA in 75? I mean, where, where's, yeah. where's Louisville? Where's UCLA? Yeah. I mean, I know they end up, you know, losing the Louisville 180 in the title game, but we're, you know, a Cinderella run as an eighth seed under Larry Brown. And of course, seeing the fact it was Larry Brown, they would go on probation right afterwards too, <laughs> because, you know, that's what Larry Brown does. He wins and he leaves on probation, but he he gives you a great, he's like sweet and sour, you know? It's like sweet and sour, but yeah, I just, I mean, it is, it's, it is, it is one, it is a story that, I mean, that you, 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 you basically, you, you watch, like you said, you watch the movie and you go, okay, come on. They yeah, exactly. Yeah. They had to Please. change that. Yeah. I mean, that's, he's not turning down. You say he just lost to his, 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 you know, he's lost to his mentor in the final four and, and his, while his mentor's retiring on top of it and. You know, there's no way he's not he's not going back to that. He's born and raised there. He played there. He coached there. He's he is UCLA, and he said, "No, I'm no longer UCLA. I'm now U of L." And that's yeah, like I said, I mean, he he doesn't make the decision. Louisville may not be ever be Louisville in the, the Louisville we know growing up in. No, and that's all. I mean, and and not saying that there wasn't you know a foundation there from Peck Hickman and you know and and, and Stacey Howard the little small interim job he did and and. and Dromo, but who's your friend's uh, dad? Dad who coached the yeah, John uh, Howard Stacy, John Stacy's. Was he the guy who lost the, the you know the, the, the nineteen forty team? <laughs> that was that was his grandfather. Yeah, that was his grand. Yeah, he's his both his grandfather and his dad both coached at U of L. We needed that guy. That's yeah, and then Howard was the one who took over for Dromo the um, interim position before Denny took over in seventy in seventy one. Uh, he ended up going to Drake for four years and then retired, but. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, we'll never know. I mean, and I'm glad we. I'm glad we that we'll, we will never know because we won't have to know because we do know he stayed and what he did and he built here. And you're right. The fact that he could. I mean, he could have been in one when he was. And, and this is where the YouTube cameras coming in next week will be effective to see me doing the air quote. Of, yeah. You know, he was re- retired in one. You know, and there were a lot of fans that were mad about. It. Even 21 year old Trevor was still kind of a little bitter about it. But you know, yeah, getting getting Tino does help. <laughs> but he could have easily been, he could have gone the Bobby Knight route if he wanted to. Maybe not to that degree, because not many people are like that. But, you know, he could have easily just been like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be kind of part of the school, keep me out of spotlight. But like you said, he was at, still at games. He was 64. He could have coached somewhere else. He could have, damn right, he could have gone and coached somewhere else. And, yeah, I just, the, the fact that he was just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to be a man about it. And I'm going to, I may internally be angry. That's what men do. We internally be angry, but we show a proper face. I will bury all my feelings inside me until one day I die. It's, it's, they're, they're waiting for my funeral to be un, undug as well in, in me. It reminds me a little bit of it, and this is my sports worlds colliding here. If you remember, like Barry Larkin was, you know, the Reds, Mister Red forever. Yeah. And at the end of his career, like, they just they came to like a mutual agreement. You know, we can't afford to pay you this anymore. And he signs the contract with the Marlins. And he goes down there, and right away he's like, "I can't do it." He's like, "I can't, I can't play anywhere else." It just 
it would feel wrong. I'm not ready to give this up yet, but I'd rather give it up than play somewhere other than Cincinnati. The rest pissed me off when he let him go like that, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he... it pissed me off too. You see my banner. I'm a, I was a big Larkin fan. He bought yeah. uh, so Danny's you know uncle was the equipment <laughs> manager. He bought Danny's uncle and both of them like new Beamers. Like like that was his like going away present for them. He's like, you wash my you know my underwear all these years. Like I can at least <laughs> the least I can do is give you a, a ride to show up here in style. Like he, the coolest guy of all time. And he was a Cincinnati born and raised. And it's, exactly. Yeah. It strikes me as the same thing here, where Denny could have easily gone somewhere else. Had that swan song. Had the. Bobby Knight, Texas Tech, that forgettable True, chapter, yeah. and he just he just he couldn't bring it upon himself to do it. He, f- he found love here. He wanted to stay here. He wanted to be around the people that you know. He appreciated the most in this world. He wanted to. You know, this was his life. This Louisville became his life. And you hear, I've heard it said a number of times on much smaller levels with with friends that I've made that have come to the city that weren't you know, born and raised here. They talk about it just gets in your blood. It got in Denny Crum's blood, and it never it, it never left. And he died with it in his blood. And again, like that's the, the the dream that we have. I mean, we it, it's why I think that we had such an issue with like Scott Satterfield. You had this feeling that he never really embraced it. And when you've got a guy like that, and you look at Denny Crum and you say, "Man, if, if Denny Crum could embrace it and fell in, fall in love with this place so much to the point where he's going to pass up on going to UCLA, how can you not fall in love with it?" And I think we hold every coach that we have to that standard, not just in terms of wins and losses, but in terms of the way that they carry themselves and the way that they fall in love with the place that we hold so dear to our hearts. And that's the legacy that Crum leaves. As much as the 675 career wins, two national titles, six Final Fours, Hall of Fame in 94, all that stuff, the fact that he became one of us and showed that he cared just as deeply about this program as all of us, that's the best gift he could have given us to us. And we've talked about this with last year's team. We've talked about it at bad times. Nice, the titles were nice, but like we've talked about it at times. It makes you feel bad as a fan when you look at coaches, players, whomever, and you feel like, man, they just don't care about this as much as as I do. Was never the case with Denny. The ultimate testament to just how much he cared was the fact that he never left. And even when he had every right to talk trash about the program, talk trash about what happened, never did. Always took the high road. Rick Pitino wanted him to be in the intro video a few years ago. Do a little fist bump at the end. I'm sure probably wasn't on top of Denny's to-do list. Did it. No no questions asked. Showed up at games. Wouldn't talk to anybody. Then You've never heard a bad story about somebody who ran into Denny Crum or who stopped to talk to him at Kroger. or who. I mean, he hit me with this the first time I ever met him. I told this story on, on Twitter. He hit me with a golf ball with an errant drive at the Foster Brooks Memorial. Remember the Foster Brooks golf tournament? I vaguely, you know, golf with me though. My brother took me there, and it was—I didn't get like pelted. It like rolled up and like hit like the back of my leg. It glanced off it. Came over, saw that I was there. This was—it's weird. It's a weird telling the story because you assume there'd be like a huge crowd. There was like nobody around us. Just came over, saw the golf ball, autographed it for me, talked to me, went about his round, like just everybody has that story. You never hear a story about like ah, Denny Crumb blew me off or Denny Crumb. Yeah. Pushed me out of the way at a derby event, or something. like he just—he was the—he was the the consummate professional. He was the ambassador that you want representing your program, and he also won a bleep ton of games, which helped. I mean, yeah, didn't have a losing record till what ninety ninety one was it? Is that the first time? Twenty years, I think. Man. I mean, I know we missed the tournament eighty seven, but we had a winning record, I believe. So, I mean, even like you said, I mean, we've talked about even even when his you know your quote retirement, he could he. he, he he never, I mean, unless he publicly said it, I don't remember. I mean, I remember him just being like, you know, it's my decision. No one, right. no, no one believes him. 
<laughs> I mean, no one, no one, no one thinks it's really his decision, but he, he you know, he, he could have easily come out and been like, you know, no, I'm being forced out. I really don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it for the team. You know, no, he, he, he could have done that. And then you would have more people who, you know, even despite Patino's success, were all, you know, still pro crumb. And that's understandable. Sure. I mean, it's, I get that, but I mean, that would have just thrown more gasoline on that fire. And he decided to just put sand on it instead. Uh, we're going That's to talk to cool some dude. Yeah, very, very cool. We're, we're going to talk to some local legends today to share their memories uh, about Denny Crum. At three forty-five, Scott Davenport will join us. Head coach at Bellarmine, who uh, was an assistant at U of L under Crum and has a had, had a very close relationship with Denny over the years. At four thirty, Paul Rogers, the voice of the Cards, will join us to talk some uh, some Denny Crum. And then right after five o'clock, when we come back for the the five o'clock hour, Kenny Klein is going to join us. We appreciate all all these guys taking some time because they have been, as you might guess. In high demand today, a lot of people are reaching out for quotes. Uh, Kenny is, you know, working behind the scenes to to set up everything that's going to happen in the next couple of days uh, when it comes to U of L honoring the the life and the legacy of Denny Crum. Paul's actually on vacation right now, and he's taking some time out of that to to you know, give us 10, 15 minutes to talk about Coach Crum. So we appreciate all those three guys uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, we'll hear a little bit of you guys from the on the Thornton Sex Line today. 502-414-1450. I should pass along. I, I know that this is. It's going to be a very Denny Crum heavy episode. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of other things happening, and if you were looking for a, a happy distraction, this is not going to, to I know exactly to do where the you're trick. Already, uh, Andrew Slater, who's been covering the yeah. McKenzie and Baco recruitment as closely as anybody, uh, has tweeted out, has reported that McKenzie and Baco is down to f- uh, two f- schools, Kansas and Indiana, which there had been murmur. The same people who were. You know, putting out the the vague, like, I'm hearing great things for the last three weeks. Uh, this morning we're putting out vague, I'm hearing bad things uh, today. And so this kind of follows that. I still, like, I, I just... It the pores a little bit. I mean. <laughs> can we just not do, like, the vague, like, great news thing if we don't know 100% that, like, he's, he's going to come here? I wish... Uh, it just... It, 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 it makes this thing worse than it already did. But uh, Mackenzie and Baco, it's looking like will not be a Cardinal. One scholarship still available. There was a report last night, maybe this is where you could kind of see the writing on the wall, that Andrew Taylor, the transfer from Marshall, uh, had received interest from Louisville. Now, he's a local-ish kid, played at Corbin High School, was one of the all-time leading scorers in the history of the state, went to Furman, didn't work out there, came back home, uh, and then went to Marshall, averaged t- over 20 points per game last he's season. He like almost five assists, too, didn't he? Yeah, it was first. I mean, they, play in, they, they do play in that up-tempo Dan D'Antoni right. offense where it's a lot of offense, a lot of stats. Um, he did have a, a little bit of a... Negative incident in high school that I think led to him not playing at Furman. You have to tell me that up there because I tried to Google it and I couldn't find it. It was a, I mean, it was a, a racial thing where he made a comment on Snapchat that, oh, okay. yeah, after they they'd played a team with, I got black you. players, yeah, he he made you. said something that was very the kid it, being it, saying something stupid probably. It was pretty bad. Um, yeah. and he is, I I would hope moved on from that. Uh, sure. but he played at Marshall. Uh, put up big time numbers. Is an elite scorer. Definitely has a skill set that could help Louisville significantly next year. And it sounds like he's become kind of the target for this last guy. I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird to think that he's like he's kind of like the guy that we've all been begging for, but we didn't want him at the expense of embargo, right? Yeah, when you when it gets like, down to like, like, he's an, like we, this is the guy we want, but now you're not gonna, you're going to get him because you didn't get to, you're not going to get the five star wing player that you desperately even maybe needed more. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely one of those words. Like, can we have both? Like, can we not? <laughs> Um, Can we tell but, Dino to stay in Miami? But who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll be, maybe it will work out for the best. But definitely bummer news. Mbaka was uh, was certainly can't miss one and done type player, 
He's in everybody's first round of their mock drafts for 2024. Um, that's a that's a bummer. To not even get him on campus is certainly a bummer, especially when it went from like you know. I told you I'm, I was worried about Indiana. Yeah, they're in it. I mean, I think it's I mean, still probably going to be Kansas. You're probably right, but, but I mean, still, I mean, it, it just I don't know. Maybe just maybe Indiana's on the list because he had to go there. You know, he wanted to go to Kansas State. I don't know. Maybe he just thought he'd check Bloomington out. It just it, it strikes me as odd that this goes from, hey, I'm hearing he's going to ask out of his letter of intent at Duke, and he's probably a Louisville lock. And then it goes to, like, he's either going to Louisville or he's going pro. And then it becomes, hearing good things about Louisville, but he's going to take these visits to the, uh, these other schools. Then it's like, the visits have gone great, but he's definitely taking that visit to Louisville because he and Nolan Smith have this very tight relationship. And then, boom, he's not going to visit Louisville, and he's not coming here. I mean, we don't, if we don't get a visit, we don't get the player, right? That's typically how it goes. Yeah, that's true. Although I don't think Danilo Yovanovich ever visited, but we, we don't know. <laughs> well, well, that's the horse of a different color. So on, on, on a positive note, you finished Shell Howe last night, I hear. I did finish Shell Howe. I guess we'll have to save Shell Howe. We can talk about Shell Howe tomorrow. Yeah, we can do that tomorrow. Plus, I have a really good DoorDash story from last night. I can tell you about that. I want to hear that tomorrow as well. Yeah, they they, they sent me on a nice little wild goose chase. Uh, we'll, take, we'll take a couple of texts here just to wrap up this first segment. Texture says, uh, could have done without the intro today. We did. We cut it short. I told Trevor to, to cut it short today. We did. I don't, I'm not a big. I, I did go with like the sad music today, but I've never been one. I I don't know. I always feel just too cliche when I do like sad music. Like I just want to like even at my funeral, I want like I want like like radioactive like Imagine Dragons playing at my funeral. Like I want I want it to be a party. I like I want upbeat music. I want you know Miami Sound Machine and stuff. So I'm just weird when I come to picking like funeral music and sad music. Well, that's that, that's you though. You have to understand that the world does not just <laughs> start and stop with Trevor Kelsey. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> Texas has two ideas, but both need to happen: statue of Denny outside the Yum Center and statue of Denny in his seat at the at the Yum. As long as he's got the rolled up program, I'm happy. I like the second idea too, like having some sort of because he was such a fixture at games at Freedom Hall and the Yum Center. You did you always saw him there. Red sweater vest on, mm-hmm. always in tune to the game. Yeah, they, they put him up on the. I mean, he had the same look on his face when they would put him on the big screen from my childhood to my adulthood, where he just kind of gives that half smile and that little wave and just, you know, twinkle in his eye. Just it was, it, it was just vintage Denny. But I'm with you. I, I'd like to see something honoring him. We have his name on the court, which we is do, great. Which is what, which makes me think. I, I really, you probably should. I would go, and I'm a little surprised we haven't done it, especially with the the popularity of statues of the statue outside. Like he probably does belong like right out, right out front. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but so does I think Patino deserves one too at some point. Probably not going to happen anytime soon. But, I know, but I'm with you. I know, but they both deserve. I mean, like when you go to Notre Dame's and you walk around their entrances and they have like the statues of Heisman winners and stuff at every entrance. I'm not saying yeah. go that far, but they both deserve one. Texas, it really ticks me off how Tom Jarrett's treated Denny. I think there's still yeah, there's still some bad blood there. I yeah. I, I get that it was a tough situation. For all parties concerned, I mean, it was it was definitely one of those, and I wish we could get to this point now where you can see both sides. Like, if you've got a, a coach who, at that point, appears to clearly be past his prime, do you sit there and say, "Look, I don't care how far this this thing goes. This man built this program. He took us to heights that we never thought were possible before he got here. He can go out however he wants. If he wants to, to drag this program down to I don't know four and twenty eight records, uh, we, we're going to let him do that. But I also can see how people would say, "Look, th- he built this." But the game passes everybody by at some point. You've got to evolve. If we're going to build upon this, if we're going to remain a power in, the, in this uh, in this sport, you've got to make a move now. I definitely, as much as I love Denny, I think 
as a kid who, and maybe it's because I missed out on the '80s for the most part. I definitely was more of that latter, like you know, we've got to we got to do something now. Recruiting is is falling off. The game has changed, and it, like like you said earlier, it helped that you had this feeling that Rick Pitino was kind of in your back pocket. If you hadn't had, because that's always the question when you yeah. get upset with a coach who's been successful and is still relatively successful. It's always who do you know is going to come here that can do better, and if you don't have a snappy answer to that then you have to think long and hard about that decision or you risk becoming Pittsburgh forcing Jamie Dixon out or what we are now or what we are now and thankfully we had Rick Pitino sitting there and that made it a lot easier and you you had to trust Tom Jurch to get it done and he, he did but yeah it was a certainly a a if, if ugly last chapter if Jurch doesn't pull that trigger uh, I mean I don't think I don't think we fade away, go into like oblivion like you know win 5 6 games Denny's going to still probably keep us relevant. We'd probably still be in like the tournament mix. I mean, we'd be kind of like what Syracuse was last like 10 years, maybe. I mean, think about the last four years. Where you're relevant, you're in the competition, right. and you maybe make a run at the Final Four as a Cinderella run. Syracuse did it twice. Is it seven, seven or 10 seed, whatever it was? But you're not, you're not in that top three area, really. Anymore. It felt like that's where we were trending. I think so. Like we had, you know, we had that dismal season his last year. The two years before that, we were seven seeds. We got beat in the first round, but like we were, we were tournament right. teams. Yeah. The year before that was bad. But we were a six seed in '97 and six seed in '96. Like that was his last four tournament teams. You know, six seed, six seed, seven seed, seven seed. It kind of felt like we were. You're right, like, and, and he picked it up with recruiting a little bit. Landing Carlos Hurt was a big deal at that time. Yeah, like I think we would have been able to be kind of like a. I think Syracuse is a good comparison. We would have fit that role of like yeah, every now and then they're, they're flirting with the tournament. Maybe they can get hot and make a run. But they're not a team that everybody fears anymore. That's felt that yeah. felt like where we were trending. Mm, Syracuse hadn't been feared since 03. <clears throat> When they won the titles of three seed. Uh, Texture says, Mike and Trevor are both going to pull the Scarface from Half-Baked on their deathbed. F-U, F-U, F-U. You're cool. F-U. Oh, I probably would. Yeah. Get out of here. You're not even invited to the funeral. I just kid. You can stay. <laughs> Texture says, time to put Denny Crumb statue in front of the yum. I, I, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm amazed with, again, the, the last 10 years of popular statue, statue popularity or whatever. That, that we This hadn't really been talked about. I mean, we've talked about Lamar statues. Yeah, and I think we, we've had ADs come out and say it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, is it because the, the, we named the court after him, which I mean, everybody was doing at one point, and we, we jumped on that, which not saying it's not rightfully so. It deserves to be Denny Crumb Court. Yeah. No offense to Patino. Texas, I was already having a rough morning, but the Crumb news is crushing. Thank God I work from home. I've been tearing up all day. Thanks for sharing the memories, guys. I don't think you're alone. I mean, I think that there's, it's been it's hit everybody pretty hard today. It's, it's certainly something like, like we said at the beginning even though you know it's going to come at some point in the probably relatively near future when it actually happens, it's tough to, to move on. Texas, I think the game has already passed KP by. Well, come on. <laughs> come on, guys. Um, He's not completely wrong. <laughs> a couple of statements that I put out there today. Uh, this is the statement. We're going to have Kenny Klein on at 5 o'clock. This is the statement that he put out. This afternoon said it was an honor to work 18 years with such an icon for our basketball program, university, and the entire Louisville community. Coach Crum was a winner as a coach, but also a champion as a person, a gentleman who was kind, generous, and eager to offer his time to help others. R.I.P. Uh, we also had some uh, statements from local, uh, some, some other U of L folks. Uh, Kenny Payne put out this uh, statement said today is a sad day for me personally as well as the basketball world. My thoughts go through all the lessons that he taught, not just to me, but every player that he ever came in contact with. Those lessons are still relevant today. We were so blessed to have him in our lives. He was a true treasure who gave so much to the university and the community. 
We must keep his memory alive. My prayers go out to his family and especially Susan. He's in a better place. Rest in peace, coach. You touched so many. Well done. Uh, Jeff Brom put out this statement on Twitter. I'm heartbroken and saddened by the passing of Coach Denny Crum, a true Louisville and coaching icon. Growing up a Cardinal fan, he was a role model for us and for us all in how he carried himself and elevated our basketball program to unprecedented heights. Cool Hand Luke brought us championships with the utmost class. His teams were high-flying and exciting and set a standard and others, that others tried to emulate. Coach Crum never stopped serving his community, and his impact will last forever. He and his wife Susan became close friends of our family over the years, and we send our deepest condolences to his entire family and all those many people who loved him. Uh, and then lastly, Josh Hurd had this to say via his official statement through U uh, L. Today is an extremely sad day for all of us who love the Louisville Cardinals. Coach Crum brought so much joy and happiness to the UofL campus, the Louisville community, and countless fans across the country and the world for so many years. He embodied what a coach should be. He cared deeply about his players. He worked tirelessly for his university. He espoused the right values and stuck to them, uh, that, and he lived each and every day for his family. Coach gave his heart and soul to this university and this community, and he will forever be a part of our past, present, and future our prayers are with his wife, Susan, and the entire Crum family. In the days, weeks, and months ahead, we will honor and celebrate the wonderful life of Coach Denny Crum. And that's going to be the, the you know, the, the next step in all of this is I'm sure there will be a celebration of life that probably happens at the Yum Center. I'm sure you'll have, like, the, the team will probably play pat, with patches on their uniforms this season to honor him. And hopefully, I mean, maybe that can be a, a, a nice little boost as we try to turn the page from a rough chapter in Louisville men's basketball history to, you know, the start of, hopefully something great, um, you know, play for Denny. I mean, you, you assume that Kenny Payne is going to be just that much more motivated now to have a bounce-back season in year two as his mentor, uh, the guy who coached him to a national title, uh, has passed away. You'd love to see him, you know, win for Denny kind of become the mantra of this year. And get the doctors dunk their damn 30 for 30 documentary. Seriously. I mean, at I, least an ACC network. Though. I mean, come on. I mean, how many times do I got to watch, like, documentaries on every other team in the 80s but not the team of the 80s? I mean, how, how much more are we going to dance around this, people? Yeah. We invented the, the damn high five. Uh, Texas is a sad day for UofL fans, especially those who grew up during the Crum era. So many great memories of going to games at Freedom Hall with my dad and later uh, with my wife and son. Always so cool to see Crum in person holding his program coaching. I can almost smell the caramel corn and hear the crowd when I think about that. I didn't get to go to a lot of games. I think I maybe went to a handful of games when Crum was still at Louisville. I went to a few, not as many I as one to to yeah, yeah. I, 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 Well, one, Freedom Hall was a little hard to get tickets into. Two, I lived, grew up with my grandparents. Grandfather was ill and passed away in 94. And, and so it was kind of, wasn't easy to get get to the Freedom Hall as much as I wanted to. But I, I did get to go to a couple games. But, so most of my memory was grew up watching him on like WDRB and, and, and the local broadcasting of the games. And, I mean, just seeing him, you know, the, the icon that he was to, to, to little Trevor on the television. Plus, my grand—I mean, my grandma, and grandfather. I mean, if there was ever somebody my grandmother may have cheated on my grandfather, it might have been Denny Crum or John Denver, one of the two, <laughs> maybe both. Texas is the only story <laughs> I ever heard of Crum getting mad with someone was uh, with some of my buddies that he played poker with. Uh, he got pissed because one of them bluffed him. R.I.P. to the coach. He was a poker guy. He was a huge I poker. Can see where yeah. <laughs> when the boat first became a thing, like when I was, I guess, in college and late high school, and people, like, I had friends that would go over there. There'd always be somebody who played with Denny Crum. They're like, Den right. Den Denny Crum was playing. No limit hold him. He's in the tournament. I sat next to him. Uh, the early boat days when you had to wait for it to redock. Yeah, that was so annoying. <laughs> he also the only time that I remember seeing him get really mad during a game. 
at least when I was growing up watching games, was after the Wake Forest game when he was pissed about the the, the bad mm-hmm. calls in the last minute. He kind of pushes a camera away when he's walking after shaking hands with Dave Odom. Like that was that was pretty much it for the most part. He was very cool, calm, and collected all the I time. I mean, there's Glenn Luke was not just a, a, a you know an ironic nickname. It was the truth. How many technicals he did receive in his career? I feel like there were. I mean, still, I, mean I guess there was. I'm sure. I mean, amount. he had to be amount. I just don't remember any of them that stick out to me specifically. Texas, my dad used to take me to the cottage inn before games occasionally, and Coach Crum was always there. He never turned someone away, including my dad and me. He he did a radio show of me and Handsome Jimmy a few years ago, and uh, it was probably the last time I fanboyed out. I I, I even asked him for an autograph then. I don't blame. Like no, normally I'm just you know I do interview you know especially in the last 15 years of being in this business even before then when I beat them all and you see celebrities you know walk through the mall constantly uh, I'd always just kind of like I I try to play cool you know yeah yeah be Larry Bird on the sideline during the Pacer game you know but uh, there there are a few that I geeked out for and fanboyed out and there's there's still a few I'd probably probably faint if I met Andy Reid but uh, Denny Crum when I got to do with the show with him answer Jimmy I, I couldn't help but ask for him to sign something. Yeah, he came in when we were at uh, 93.9, and they were promoting these, like, bourbon barrel heads that he was autographing for everybody. And he came in to the studio, and he, like, personalized one for me and personalized one for John. It's hanging in my basement now. It's, like, one of my most prized possessions. And I feel very fortunate that, you know, in these, these later years, I was able to to get that and meet him and have a in-person interview, which was was awesome. He came on, I think, via phone a couple of times as well. And you're not a big autograph guy either, are you? I, memorabilia guy, at least? I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if, oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to autograph a Cardinal Bird, Barrelhead, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm it's, pretty excited. Well, true. I'm just <laughs> I like me. I've got, I've got hundred. I've got probably a hundred autographs hanging around my walls. You know, portraits, eagles, blue jays. Uh, but Denny Crum is the only Cardinal autograph I have. He's the best. Yeah. He, he, we'll, we'll miss him for sure. Uh, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, uh, Bellman head coach Scott Davenport, who coached with uh, Crum at U of L. He's going to join the show and share some memories, share his thoughts. Uh, it's always a treasure to hear Scotty D talk, and we'll do that after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. All right, welcome back in. Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 961 The Big X as we continue to talk about the the life and the legacy of Denny Crum, who passed away today at the age of 86. And to do more of that, we're happy uh, to welcome in a very, very special guest. Very happy to have him on the program and appreciative of the fact that he was able to make some time for us. Bellarmine men's head basketball coach Scott Davenport, who was an assistant with Crum uh, at Louisville. Coach, uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on this uh, this somber day uh, here on the Big X. It is, Mike. Very, very somber. Uh, thoughts and prayers to coaches, to Susan, his family, sons, daughter. Um, but it is one opportunity to learn from one of the absolute best. Because I've said this repeatedly all day. And I'll challenge people, find me. Find me and tell me when he ever said no to someone in need. 
And this wasn't just players, coaches, managers, trainers. This was this was charities. This was anyone in need. He never said no. And a belief that has stayed every day, every second I've ever coached, that very seldom, if ever, do the five best players make the best team. And we can all learn from that right now. And we should. Out of respect, you think about coach, you know, it's a different era. He didn't have an agent. You didn't have to go through this and go through that. And, you know, this, it was it was truly out of the love of the game, but he is judge of talent. And it wasn't based on three-star, four-star, five-star. It was based on that philosophy that it's going to be a team game. And it won't always be the best players. Yes, he loved to coach great talent. But every time you use the word with coach, you should use the word teacher because they, they, they should be interchangeable. Coach, every time we talk, I feel like you talk about celebrating the culture of basketball in the city of Louisville. You, you, you're somebody who grew up around here. You're somebody who uh, coached around here. You love this city's relationship with basketball. Even though Coach Crum was not a born and bred Louisvillian, I think it's safe to say he committed as much and, and did as much for the culture, uh, the basketball culture in the city of Louisville as anybody. From day one. And one of the basis of that, and this is overlooked a lot, his confidence was extraordinary. And, and we all know coaching is not perfect. You know, this game is played, coached, officiated, administered by humans. But his confidence, was so contagious because his belief in how to teach. And, and the first lesson you learn in coaching, I don't care if you're with Coach Crum, Coach Patino, Bill Olson, Jerry Jones, Coach Houston, it, it's that there's more than one way to be successful, but at the end of the day there's a right way and a wrong way to play the game from a fundamental standpoint. And that Coach Crum would stand, look you and I, and say that what goes back to Coach Wooden. And I'm proud to – say that that shaped my life as a coach. Now, as far as what he's done in this community in terms of the, the basketball and the level of basketball, the respect the game, yes. Coach Stromo was tremendous. Coach Hickman was tremendous. But Coach Crum took it to the, to the grandest of stages, national championships, nationally a prominent basketball program right here at the University of Louisville. I mean, I was a student there from 75 to, to 76 to 80, and it changed. It's incredible how that university, not everyone has the before and after picture that I have, but my before and after picture is one of incredible respect. And correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. Did, did Coach Crum give you your first assistant coach job? when, when you, were you, you were a grad assistant at UofL in the 80s, correct? I was now my first coaching job. I was the JV coach at now closed Aaron's High School, okay, which is in the building between Muhammad Ali and Chestnut on First Street, where the Brown School is. So I was there two years. They closed the school. I went then. I was the JV coach at Ballard for three years. Then I left Ballard and I was a graduate assistant at the University of Louisville, at which time I obtained my master's in education. And my master's degree is in college student affairs, 
because I, it's like being a college counselor because I always want to be a college coach. <laughs> then I left and came back in 1996. So you, I think people remember your, your stint as the assistant in the, the late 90s, the early 2000s, certainly here at Louisville. Right. Um, you go on to be the head coach at Bellarmine, wildly successful over the last two decades. What did you learn under Coach Crum more than anything else that you still keep with you today, that you're still implementing today here in 2023? That, that ability to judge talent and, and judge caring as being a special, special talent. We live in a world of analytics and everything measurable, and, and judge heart, judging caring, that, that is in judging where it can take an individual. And you look back at the, at the individuals that coach took, and again, there was no three-star, four-star, five-stars, none of that, and it was incredible. And, yes, he had incredible assistants that he believed in, but they all shared that ability to judge talent. And, and, and the talent was just not how he can run, jump, and dunk. It, it was the person. Because, again, this, this game is a game played by humans, and, and they've got to work together. It's not going to be the five best players or the best team. It just doesn't happen. It's, now, the one thing where I've, if I self-evaluate, maybe I don't measure up, his patience was extraordinary. Anybody that sees me coach uh, probably would agree <laughs> that I'm not the most patient guy going. But his patience was extraordinary. But, you know, Mike, this is, this is very difficult for me to share. But you learn this in coaching in the most incredible ways. I have received text messages from former Bellarmine players over the last 18 years today who never met Coach Crump. But they, they, they heard the stories. Uh, they, we, we would research things. And I would make these kids study. And they would, they were writing me today. Some of them are in coaching. Many of them are in coaching that were writing me, saying, I know, Coach, how much he meant to you. And you shared that. He got, and he, they kept saying all day today, C.J. Fleming's going to be a first-year varsity head coach in Cincinnati at the Baden School. And he said, Coach, I know how much Coach Crown meant to you, man. I'm thinking about you today. See, that is a true legacy. He's passing that on. But how many charities, how many school groups, how many fundraising did he touch throughout this community? These former Bellarmine players never met him. That, that is, I, I, that, we should celebrate that throughout this community by living up to his standards. This community would be better. We're talking uh, with, with Bellman head men's basketball coach Scott Davenport here. You, you said it, Coach. I mean, the on-court accomplishments are great, winning national titles, winning conference championships, the wins, the Hall of Fame, all that good stuff. But when you, at the end of the day, when you're writing your final chapter, isn't that what anybody who, who works – with young players who coaches, isn't that all that they want people to say about them after they're gone, that they had these types of relationships? I mean, I assume that that's the goal of every, uh, at least the good ones, head coaches in college sports. You know, Mike, I, I coined a phrase, I, I don't even know where, how. I, I really don't, I wish I knew, about creating emotional paychecks. And 
coaching provides you opportunities to create emotional paychecks that you can cash a lifetime. You know, long, long after you're gone coaching, uh, you know, Bellman's graduation is Saturday. To, to see those young men receive those degrees, sometimes they're, we've got two getting a master's degree, to, to get the text messages today. See, those are m emotional paychecks that will never be in a bank account, that never, ever will show up. But I cash those a lifetime. And I think learning from individuals like Coach Crum, think how many he created. And, 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 and outside of Louisville, Kentucky, he, he did this throughout college basketball all over this United States. In all of college basketball, not just Division One at all levels. I, I mean, you know, we use the word superstar a lot. This man was a superstar. Last question for you. I, I know your, your time is limited here, Coach. Everyone, when they talk about Denny Crum and his coaching ability, they always seem to bring up how good he was coming out of timeouts, how good he was. It's with, unbelievable. With it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. How, like, you being on the sidelines, I mean, what specifically made him so good in those situations? His patience that I would be in his ear, Coach, let's run this. No, we're going to run this to set this up later because we'll get it later. No, let's get this basket right now. <laughs> let's go. We got them. They're on the brink, Coach. We got them on the ropes. No, we may need this. It was like playing cards. He wasn't going to show all his cards. <laughs> and that, that's funny that we bring that up because we know he loved to play Texas Hold'em. <laughs> but his vision of the game and to look ahead but it, it all goes back to patience, and, and he was his his level of patience was extraordinary. He would tell you, you know, I would get very animated in a huddle or after an individual down the bench, and he's you know, Scotty, he's doing the best he can, and then and then we all have that nerve that gets touched, right? And and, and it'd be ten minutes later, and all of a sudden, boy, somebody poked one of his nerves, and he let loose, and I wanted to lean over so bad. I never would out of respect just say, Coach, he's doing the best he can. <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, – Coach's level of respect for the game of basketball is never talked about enough. And, and, and what I'm saying is I've used this phrase my entire career. He always has the, re, the, the phrase, honest respect for your opponent. And, and that wasn't just don't overlook them because we're better than they are. It was if you win by 30 – have a respect for them. They are out there trying just as you were. And that is something in this day and age we can all learn from right now. Have an honest respect, not just that you beat them, but for who you're playing and that, that you know, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. Coach, you're the best. We always appreciate your time. We appreciate you uh, not just talking with us, but the openness there. Uh, and certainly, we'll be talking to you uh, again sometime. Well, Mike, I don't know why I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize, but your number showed up with no name, and then the second <laughs> time you showed up with a name, no, with a name. I blame Doug. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. No, I don't know why I was embarrassed when I sent that back, and then when I did, you you wrote back. It showed up. Yeah, it's 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 Doug. He's so, he's yeah. hacking the phones. He's trying. He's doing what he's doing behind the scenes. God knows what he's up to. It's just uh, it's, it's who he is. It's fine. We're all good. Well, I saw him finish running a while ago. He probably ran 
11 miles or something. I don't know. Well, that's also Doug. That's what he does, too. That's that's fine. Uh, Coach, appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. I'm sure we'll be talking Bobby, with you Everybody, soon. please keep Coach in, his, in your prayers, and let's continue to learn from him. And uh, stay healthy, Mike. Thank you for everything. Of course. Uh, Scotty Davenport, head basketball coach at Bellarmine. Uh, he's the best. We love hearing from him. Very cool for him to spend some time with us. Yeah, I, I texted him earlier. Can you come on the show? And he's like, Sorry, the name's not popping up. And then he's like, oh, he popped up the next time. I was like, don't worry about it. I thought he meant when I called. No, no, no. I was like, no. I, like, I want to be like, well, we do that because people won't answer if they see my name. <laughs> uh, Scotty's the best. That was awesome. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, hour number two, we're going to talk, uh, obviously, more Denny Crum. We'll get into some other news and notes, spend some time with you guys on the text line at 502-414-1450. And then at 430, we'll be joined by Paul Rogers, the voice of the cards, to talk a little bit more of Coach Crum. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. It continues next here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. Sunshine in my eyes can make me cry. Sunshine. Welcome back in. Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X. As we continue to uh, react to the news of the passing of Denny Crum. One of the, I mean, I I know you, I, I don't want to use this term. If you did the Mount Rushmore of Louisville, I know you hate it. But if you did like the well, no, the, the, the top four you of would, Louisville. You wouldn't even do it because it would just be four crumbs. Would it be? Yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm I'm putting yeah, maybe maybe Tino gets on there a little bit. I mean, but it, but it just not just coaches, but like figures in U of L athletics history. I feel like Denny Crum is number one. Am, am I wrong in saying that? I feel like no. I feel like he's the. I mean, I, you can make cases for Daryl Griffith probably. Uh, Daryl would be the best argument, I think. I'm next. I mean, I guess Patino. Because I keep thinking, I keep forgetting, like maybe what age group we're going to be discussing this with. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. for if you're looking at the entirety of U of athletics, forget yeah. like who you're trying to appeal to. If you're just looking at the history, the general impact of the 110 year, however long it is, history of Cardinal athletics, the people who've made the biggest impact, who meant the most to U of L sports. Yeah, I feel like Crumb's probably number one. Yeah, I mean it'd be. I mean, I mean, there's no arguing he's on that four. You can make cases for Crumb, probably I, uh, Griff. I, I guess Patino. Um, I mean, Lamar I, Jackson, if you really wanted to. Jurich, I think. Jurich, you, you could probably make a case. Gets, I mean, I feel like none of the cases are as strong as Denny's. No. I mean, because it kind of. And, and Scotty mentioned it also, even though he didn't. You know, he, we mentioned, you know, Peck Hickman went to a, a Final Four in 59, I believe it was. Uh, I mean, you know, Droma was successful here. Um, maybe we'll switch those two around, but nonetheless. Um, I mean, they, they also had success here, and, and we, we talked about that in the first segment, where, you know, the, Louisville was a good program. 
Louisville wasn't on, you know, God, I hate to say it out loud, but they weren't on Kentucky's program at level at that time. Crum gets here and puts Louisville on that Kentucky level. Yeah. You know, you want to call us a little brother, you should have done it before 1971, because after that, it wasn't happening. And that's, that. yeah, so for there, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's hard not to, I mean, if it wasn't a bought name, the Yum Center should be Denny Crum Dome or something like that. Some Crum Center. Crum Center, yeah. yeah. I mean, it should definitely be named after him in some way. I mean, he... But not what we just do the you court, can so. you, you can roll your eyes if you want to at the the fact that he was nicknamed Mr. March for a while and you know, maybe you look at his latter years and, and say well they, you know, they didn't do a whole lot in the NCAA tournament even with those latter years tossed in the man went to the Sweet 16 or better in 70 percent of the NCAA tournaments that he coached in that's impressive his, I'd love to know where that stats holds to everybody else too it's right up there I'm it's sure. got to be up there I yeah. mean you know you our our, our mutual buddy Jack Grossman over there he pointed this out on Twitter you, you can talk about the the run from 80 to 86 where Louisville wins two national titles they go to four final fours mm-hmm. but even if you talk about the last 15 years at UofL which are you know, people kind of roll their eyes at and say hey, you know, what, what did they really do the last 15 years 10 conference championships 10 sweet 16s two final fours two titles or six final fours two titles that's that's the entirety from 80 to his, the end of his career like that's unreal it's an unreal stretch that he produced here at a program that, like you said, was good before he got here, but was not doing anything on that level. He made Louisville in the midst of you know one of the heydays of college basketball. Carolina's rolling, Georgetown's rolling, Houston's got five slamma jamma, all that good stuff. He made Louisville the team of the '80s, as dubbed by Sports Illustrated. Like that's unbelievable. That is an incredible ascent. And if we do get back to where we expect this program to be, whether it's under Kenny Payne or somebody else, it all goes back to the foundation that he built. He made Louisville basketball, I don't want to say bulletproof or in a position where they're too big to fail, but he got them to the point where they should be. I don't think it's as easy for Rick Pitino to do what he did if the UofL basketball tradition hadn't been built in, if you didn't have the fan base, if you didn't have the money surrounding the program. I mean, Rick Pitino doesn't even consider coming to Louisville if Louisville for sure. isn't that, what Great that point. program. I mean, Louisville, he would look at Louisville and been like, off to Ann Arbor. Great point. Uh, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, he... He made Louisville basketball what it is today. And, well, he made it better than what it is today. But he, you get what I'm saying. He made it one of the ten best programs in the sport, one of the seven best programs in the sport, wherever you have it. Uh, that's, that's all Denny Crum. You've coached 30 years and you have two losing seasons. Pretty unreal. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you can find that in any other resume. I mean, that John Wooden couldn't say that. He had multiple losing seasons before he finally won his first national title. Now, Crum had at least three losing seasons. They have three outstanding hands. Because 98 and his last season, 01, and then that 90. right, okay, season. three. So three, yeah. So one every 10 years. Still pretty unreal. Yeah. I mean, maybe Izzo is right. There. I don't know if Izzo's had that many or not in his, since he's been at Michigan State. Since, he's also only been there 23 years or 25 years now. So, I mean, Coach K, he didn't, couldn't do it. I don't, Dean Smith, I'm sure, had some losing years in there in the beginning. Maybe not, but. Yeah. Then again, you're also that's the, the the group when that's when that's the group you're talking about putting the name in when you're going maybe it was maybe 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 Dean Smith, that's when you know you, you're talking about greatness and we talk about a Mount Rushmore and maybe maybe say that word on this yeah. radio of <laughs> just Louisville sports. I'll I'll I'll, I'll go I'll go till I'm red in the face and debated on, on in college basketball history. I do wonder. I mean, going back to like, maybe not number one there, but he could slip in it for. One of the big themes that we've had in today's show is talking about how Denny is such a, he's not even a throwback because it was unusual for him to do it then, but a guy who 
you know, grew up on it in a different part of the country, had every possible excuse that you could want to go to a different program once he built Louisville into a national powerhouse because he was a you know, UCLA boy, a John Wooden protege. Wooden said in 2000 when he was asked uh, about Denny, he said, I never had any doubt that uh, Denny would succeed as a coach. Of any player that I ever coached, Denny was probably the most cut out to be a coach. So he knew, like this is, I think Wooden even said at one point, like I thought this was my heir apparent. I thought this would be my successor. And if you wanted to, you know, to, to even build on that story, so Crum in his first year here, takes Louisville to just its second Final Four ever. They get pummeled, of course, by UCLA, who goes on to win its sixth straight national title. He builds the program up. He gets them into an even stronger spot, gets them back to the Final Four in 1975. They lose a heartbreaker to UCLA immediately after that game. Wooden announces that he's he's hanging it up. They beat Kentucky to win the national title. Mm. Like, you could easily say, like, that's the ultimate can't beat them, join them. And it's even more worthwhile, it's even more understandable when you have a guy who's from that program, who you know cut his chops as a UCLA Bruin. And yet, when he got asked about it, he said in 1986 uh, about the UCLA job, I hadn't yet accomplished what I wanted to at Louisville. And when I was offered the UCLA job after Gene Bartow left a couple years later, I decided that I loved Louisville and I didn't want to leave. I think I probably could have done the job at UCLA better than anyone else. It's never easy following a legend, but because I knew the people and the situation there, I don't think I would have had the problems that other people had. Which is a, a swaggy as hell quote. Like I, I love him being like, "You see, I wouldn't have fallen off if I'd been if if I'd taken the job." <laughs> like, don't worry, I didn't do it, but I could have, and I would have been great. <clears throat> um, he he also went on to say, and this is, it's, it's ironic that he's. I'm reading this quote now because we just had Coach Davenport on last hour, and he was talking about this exactly. Crum said, through the years, I've learned to be patient. Coach Wooden had tremendous patience. When he said, goodness gracious sakes alive, he was swearing at you. Mm-hmm. He was at the end of the line with you as a player. And as an assistant coach, I had my conflicts with him on the bench as to what to do and who to put in the game. But that was good instead of bad. There's no value in having a yes man as an assistant coach. We need a, You need opinion from your assistants. I love that. I mean, I the, the man willing to be corrected, willing to, to, to take on all different uh, opinions. I mean, Crum, just you, you can see why he was so successful. But I do wonder, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Let's say Louisville beats UCLA. 75. In 75 or 71. One of those Final Fours. When okay. He takes over the program. Like just, yeah, okay. Does he still, like, does he, maybe he leaves for UCLA at that point? Let's say he wins the national title. I mean, he said in his quote, it's, I hadn't accomplished what I wanted yeah. to at Louisville. I wonder if he would have stayed for good. I kind of think he would. Um, there's no way to know for sure. No, I mean, when, when you're right. I mean, it's like saying, what if he had gone, what where Louisville would be? I mean, sure. or UCLA have gone on to be, I mean, uh, I don't mean, I, I don't, I, I didn't know Denny very well enough personally, but I would have to think if it was me, like it would have, I'm not saying I would have for sure gone had he once, if I'd been him and won the title in 75 and beat UCLA and kind of, you know, ended my, 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 my mentors run and, yeah, and so on and so forth. I almost gave you a drink there, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it would be a sip to get a half a letter in there. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that's I, that would have probably been a tougher decision to make because, like you said, you, you've accomplished now what you came here for. In right. just a short time, but you've accomplished it. And at that time, you're also only, what, four years in? You're probably, I don't know, You, I guess, though, that 75 team, that would have been one of your first one of your first early classes, maybe. You have a, a strong feel for them. I don't know, but... Yeah, I think it would have been a tougher decision for him to make, but I think I hope to like to think he would have still stayed at Louisville. 
I do, but it w- it would have been, been you. It may well, have changed things. Like if you you're 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 Denny Crum in that situation. You you left you know where you grew up and you left little one. You went to UCLA. And, yeah, re- you know, reverse. Yeah, reverse it so to speak. I mean, let's not forget Wooden was originally from Ohio Valley and moved to moved to the West Coast and stayed there and became a fixture there after being born in Indiana. And that's why Crum's story is so rare because yeah. when I put myself in his shoes and I'm thinking like I I mean. I grew up worshiping Louisville basketball. Let's say I, mean, I have even more yeah. ties. Let's say I played there. You played it. He and played I, at UCLA. And yeah. I coached there. Yeah. And, and and you know, I'm supposed to be the heir apparent to Rick Bettino. And I go out to UCLA and I coach there and I have a little bit of success and I build that program up. And then it becomes time. It's my time. It's my time to go back home, be around family, be the conquering hero, the Jeff Brom conquering hero, bring him, bring him home. I probably go home. Like when I think about trying, it's hard not. It's hard not to. And I mean, he didn't. Like, like that's. It's just a. Like I said, it's a story that if you wrote it in this day and age, nobody would buy it. Everyone would be like, "That's too hokey." There's no way. Like, like it's just you're being. It's overly. I'm trying to think of the word utopian. Like, like it's, it's too perfect. There's just you have to have more conflict there, and that's what Denny Crum did for us. He was the dream that every fan base has realized just falls in love with your school so much that he can never leave even after he gets forced out can't leave the city itself as well that embraced him yeah, in the town absolutely. And, and, and louisville is what it is and yeah i mean just yeah, it's you're right i mean it's just he decided you know instead of going back and being a part of of a tradition that i i maybe i was a part of myself i want to build my own tradition here and be the you know the one who starts it and that's what he did and that's what he, he's going to be forever known for is you know kind of like you said the godfather of louisville basketball Somebody texted in a picture of him playing the drums, and it's glorious. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, we'll put on the YouTube cameras any day now, but that's, that's I awesome. I didn't know Denny played the two drums. I don't know if he does, but he looks great. There. <laughs> 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. Texture says, listening to Scotty D is making me more emotional than I already was. Losing Mackenzie and Baco is bad enough, but it doesn't even register compared to losing Coach Crum. My teenage years were in the 80s, and I didn't realize how rare of a run we were on. I thought going to the Final Four every year was just something that we did. Out of all the gut punches we've experienced as Cards fans, the last six years today feels like the worst one we've had. See, I was more, I, even though I grew, I was born in 80, I just didn't really grab it until like 88, 89. Yeah. And I started watching getting the basketball. I was actually more into the NBA and pro wrestling before, even before that. But, and, uh, I mean, not that you didn't have the nice run. You had the Sweet 16, 88, 89. You had, you know, the, 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 well, it wasn't even in this way tournament run, the Metro Great Tournament run of 91, you know, the, with the losing team and knocking off. Clarence Weatherspoon in Southern Miss before getting beat by Florida State in the, in the Metro Final in '92. So, uh, I, but most of mine was the stories of like hearing you know, my again my grandmother and grandfather tell me you know the stories of watching them in, in the '70s and, and, and in the '80s and before I got to really you know grab those memories myself and or going back and watching the old ESPN films of the Final Four exactly. recaps that used to be 30 That's how I long. learned. I, I mean, I went and bought both of those in 1886 and. I watched the most of them, even that weren't our years. You That's know. how I learned, man. Like, so I grew up. Those are great videos, weren't they? I think when you get to like, like you get to the ages of like seven, eight, nine is when you really get into to sports. For me, yeah. And then when you have those, I think the memories that you latch onto, it's more like nine, ten, eleven, and that certainly was me. And like I, so I always knew Louisville basketball as being good, but we weren't competing for national titles. We hadn't gone to Final Fours or anything like that. And I learned. I mean, I'll never forget. Like I learned about. I was like home from sick, uh, homesick from school one day, and they had a marathon of all those ESPN like '80s Final Four recaps, and I kept I was like, Louisville's in this one, I'm like Louisville's in that one, and then I, I see like the '80 or the '86 one, and I like sprint downstairs, I told Dad, I'm like, Dad, did you know that Louisville won a national title? You know, like uh, my dad's like, Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I woke you up uh, in '86, you were a baby sleeping, 
Like I just had no knowledge of it. My dad, like he was a Metro columnist uh, at the Courier during the eighties and also worked at the Louisville times. Like he went with the team in 83 to Albuquerque for that final four. Like he was there at the pit for that game against Houston. Um, like he had, like when I got older, I was jealous of his memories and my older brother's uh, memories who got to really experience that. I'm jealous of him now. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt it yeah. felt like we got deprived of something. I also do think that it made that 2013 national title mean more to people like us who our our first real taste of the obsession that is Louisville basketball. Well, it made the 97 Elite Eight run. Yeah, it was, I mean, with struggles in the 90s. It definitely made that 97 run more. But when you finally got over that hump, when you finally got to, I mean, Final Four in 05 was a seminal experience of my but, life. Because of you, especially the way that that, that that West Virginia game happened, too. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah, that that was, that was uh, the, the, yeah, that was a very good feeling of release. Uh, Texas says my card more, Crum, Griffith, Howard, and Lamar. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure. Jer- I, I just I don't know. I mean, I love I love the Lamar and the, the football program. I just I don't know. I think Jurich would be over Lamar for me. I know. I know that that. There can be some arguing of you know the way it ended, but you know. I guess time goes on. That that opinion is probably going to be more. Prevalent. You need to look back. At, yeah, I mean, let's let's look at what was done during here, and, and the fact. I mean, he could have easily maybe not wanted to go. I mean, he did step sure. away. I mean, uh, this is my my Rushmore view. Now we're now we're, now it's happening. Uh, <laughs> don't, Crum, just don't use that word. Cardmore. Griffith, I like Cardmore better. Snelly. The fourth is tougher. I've got to go with Trevor. Runner up is Patino. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Snell, how Snellenberger's one. I don't know why we we should not. Yeah, I mean he is—he is the football football. What Denny Crum is the basketball in a way. I sure, mean, I mean more all, ways than one. Really. Smaller scale for sure. I mean, didn't yeah. stay that as long. No, but had less success. But, but he also took over a program that was way worse. Was on its deathbed for sure. And he resurrected it and brought it back and took it to heights that you know we never knew. You know, you tell somebody in 1982 about Louisville football, and you know they they think you're Ernest Gibbons thinks you're insane. Texas, are you happy, Mike? Mike, get your mid-major point guard. Why are people so divisive about this thing? First of all, I mean, Andrew Taylor can play anywhere. Because he's, he's, he's replacing a five-star kid, probably. And if you're asking me to choose, I would have chosen Mackenzie and Baco. Yeah. But I still think that, yeah, we would have had an incomplete roster because we need a, a point guard. We need help in the backcourt. We need a, a true second-lead guard. Um, Andrew Taylor can help. I mean, um, he, he could make this team better than Mbako could, actually. He could. I don't think he will. I don't think so, but it just depends. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we don't even know if we're going to get him. I mean, the, the next text, yeah. writer, the next text right after that is like, how long until uh, we find out that Andrew Taylor's a lock, and then he never comes here, and then he commits to a different school, and we grab a JUCO wing at the last minute. That texter is even on David, today. Why we, do you got to give me reality text? Let me have a dream, man. Even on today, we can't get away from these arguments. I mean, we've got. I mean, it's just people. I love. I see like some Twitter accounts that are like, "Can we all come together today for Coach Crum?" Like all this stuff, and like the next tweet, oh, they're no. like. Why are players tweeting it? <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's all. Every single day is the same. It's gonna, and it's gonna be this way until November. We got six more months of this. It's just, it's not gonna stop until they actually start playing games. The football team will help. To, might be a nice the football attraction. team will help immensely. That would be a nice distraction once we actually get there. Not that there's much any more pressure needed to be put on Jeff's first year. You know, do we need you to save go this out? fan base, yeah. Jeff? I don't know. You need to, to, to resurrect the football team and make them an eight-nine win season. We need you to just distract us completely and maybe win twelve games. Because the basketball team's not pulling its load, maybe. Josh Hurd is like, Jeff. <laughs> I know I've asked a lot from you, buddy, but... Uh... <laughs> I'll give you my full paycheck if you guys win at least eight games this year. We all need this. You might not be the only one that does that. <laughs> I saw that Caleb Johnson, speaking of football news, uh, got an offer from Ole Miss last night, which was... Okay, that's... 
Is Ole Miss just taking trying to take all of our players? I mean, do they they owe us one then, right? I mean, yeah. Well, they got. We made the trade last year for we got uh, Momo Snogo from for Watkins, and then they also took Watkins didn't even play a whole lot last year with him. No, well, he he played a decent amount. He, I think his one good game was at UK. I think he had was, like three catches against he, UK, okay. but one was a touchdown. Right. But he, um, they, yeah. they they took Monty Montgomery from us this year. They did. You're right. Yeah. And now they're going after Caleb Johnson. Um, he said this when he was uh, talking about his offer. To get an offer from Ole Miss means a lot to me. I don't know why he uses this weird ass font, uh, especially at this time <laughs> in my collegiate career. What stands out is Coach Kiffin as a coach. I, I can't. I, I literally can't even read this font. Does it look like a ransom note or something? Go, yeah, go to uh, <laughs> go to Caleb Johnson's profile. He retweeted it, but he's very excited to have an offer from Ole Miss. Um, interesting. <laughs> I, mean, I, I literally can't read that. I don't know what to say. But Lane Kiffin just wants all the Cardinals. Uh, we've also got to, in other Louisville sports news tonight is Battle of the Barrel Night. Louisville and Vanderbilt playing their annual rivalry game in baseball. If you can't listen to it on our sister station. 970 WGTK. First pitch is going to be 6 p.m. and it will be televised live on ESPN2. Louisville, I mean, the conference record is what it is. Right now, we don't even qualify for the ACC tournament, let alone the NCAA tournament, which is is nuts. We are 9-15 and 15 right now in conference play. The RPI is still 26. This would be a, a, a I mean, Vandy is a, a top 10 team. This would be another gigantic boost to your RPI. It would bolster your NCAA tournament resume if you're just able to get on a, a little bit of a hot streak here in, at the end of the season in conference play. They're playing FSU this weekend, who's not especially great. Um, the first order of business has to be make the ACC tournament. I think you you hope that you can build a resume strong enough that you can be considered for at-large. But if you can't, you got to have that opportunity to win the ACC and, and earn that auto bid. But um, the first part of that scenario, the, the, the option A, it would be helped a lot with a win over Vandy. Plus, it's a rivalry game. You always want to win it, yeah, get the barrel, Vandy, yeah. all that good stuff. Um, but it seems like a strange time for us to be playing a nationally televised game. It was, you know, maybe not don't, not wanting the attention right now. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's one of those that they they did you know weeks ago looking at looking at the two and probably figured we'll put these on on TV. It's a big it's, it's a big rivalry. Well, a, which yeah, you're right. It's weird though because like we it was either Duke or somebody who played her this year. It was two, we were end up we we're both in the top ten and one on TV. Uh, yeah, we couldn't even get ACC Network because when we swept Boston College. Yeah, yeah, when, it was okay. Yeah, we were nine; they were like five. Yeah, I knew we were two top ten teams. I couldn't just couldn't remember which. Yeah, the matchup that wasn't even on. You're right, not even on ACC Network. ACC yeah. Network, which is pathetic. Yeah, because at the time, I think they were showing like the the class that Coach K bought or something. I don't know. We are. I mean, that'd be the Elton Brand class, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Corey Maggette. We do currently own the barrel uh, because we won last year's matchup, one nothing in Nashville. Uh, it's a Louisville team that's still. We own the record too in, in this, don't we? Well, they own this. They, they. It's one of those where like we used to play all the time back in the day, and they like were fifteen oh, and zero before we started playing. That, yeah. So they lead the series twenty-seven to twelve. It's like yeah, you know, it's like some of these basketball series where it's, you know, Louisville's won thirty-four of the last thirty-six against Western Kentucky, and they lead the all-time series by two because they used to just pound us when we were playing YMCA schools. Yeah. Um, but Louisville this season, crazy stat: when they don't allow a home run, seventeen and two. When they do, twenty-two and eight. Pitching's got to stop allowing the long ball. You want? You think that's a crazy stat? You want her one even more crazier? Always. Robert Nero, seventy-nine, just had his seventh child. I saw that. I was going to bring this up. <laughs> I mean, how do you? Who, who gets their diaper changed first? <laughs> I saw De Niro headline in my email this morning, and I was like, it sounded like it was like, oh, he's yeah. He, I was like, he's now I think his wife is a lot younger, correct? Or I I'm guess sure some, she is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess, I, you're right because I don't think 
<laughs> Something tells me menopause would have just put a little block on that one. <laughs> I don't know who he's married to or, or with, but. <laughs> uh, more power to him. Yeah, so the headline of my email was Robert De Niro is a dad of seven, reveals he just had a baby at 79. And I you know, I see those words together, and all I think is like dead at 79. I'm like, that's, oh, no. Well, that's what feared me when I saw him trending. I'm like, you don't. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, I know you know it comes in threes, and uh, I, know, I know I brought up in the break that we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but like Vida Blue passed over the weekend, who was a, a legend in baseball. And I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure people are going to be hard, like, how oh, can you have his kid 79? He won't even watch the kid grow up. Listen. He, he didn't have to spend one second with that kid. That kid's made for life regardless. It's fine. All right, yeah, we, we got to go to break. It'll be okay. We got to go to break because we got Paul Rogers coming up, and he's got a time crunch, so we were going to have him on at 4.30. Uh, Paul Rogers after the break here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Had a day that I could give you I'd give to you All right, welcome back in. Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X as we continue to uh, honor the life and legacy of Louisville men's basketball coach Denny Crum, the Hall of Famer who passed away today at the age of 86. And to do more of that, very, very happy to be joined by the voice of the Cardinals, Paul Rogers, who is uh, on vacation, still taking some time to spend uh, with us. Paul, we, we certainly appreciate your time. Uh, yeah, I know it's a, there's a lot going on behind the scenes right now. I know you're in high demand right now. So thank you so much for, for hopping on with us today. We got you, Paul, you there? They have lost him. Let me see if I can call him back. All right. We're going to, we're going to get Paul back on the line here. We're going to, we're going to make that happen. The phones as always here at Big X Nation. A little bit of an issue, but uh, big thanks to uh, Scotty Davenport earlier in the show for spending some time with us. If you missed it, reminder, you can catch every second of every episode of the Mike Rutherford Show on podcast. Just go to your preferred podcast outlet, search Big X Sports Radio or 1450 Big X, and you'll be able to find uh, every episode of our show of Spears on Sports and the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. KRC's got their own page, so you have to, if you want to listen to Kentucky Roll Call, search KRC, search Kentucky Roll Call, and you'll be able to find the podcast there. So, yeah, Scotty D was, was certainly very emotional uh, and we appreciate the time that he spent with us we're gonna hopefully get paul back on the line here and then at five o'clock we are going to be joined at the top of the hour by kenny klein who spent a significant amount of time with denny crumb uh and he'll share his thoughts his memories but we've been doing a lot of that if you want to weigh in we'll have some time for you uh, a little bit after this interview on the thornton's text line at 502-414-1450 and a quick reminder thornton's is hooking you up with the best prices at the pump and the best prices inside on all their goodies including a 32-ounce uh, soda or 32-ounce whatever drink you want for just 89 cents. Best deal going in the city. Big old drink, less than a buck. That's, uh, that's who they are. It's what they do. Have that drink and then give us a text at 502-414-1450. All right, I think we've got uh, Paul on the line now. Should be good to go. Paul, are you there? I'm here this time. All right. there, Big X Nation, we struggle with the phones. We do the best we can. But uh, I know you're on vacation. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on this uh, this somber day for L fans. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for the circumstance, but happy to do it. I was uh, as much of a fan of Denny Crum as anybody, and we had a really great working relationship and over the years developed uh, quite a good friendship as well. So I was sad when I heard the news today, but 
I know we all you know knew this day was approaching, and uh, fortunately, I, I think we can celebrate uh, the life of Denny Crum and Susan. I think we'll feel the love and the support of the community, and uh, we'll all get through this together because he was a, a one-of-a-kind guy who was uh, just became such a, an icon of Louisville, uh, and he did it really just by being Denny Crum, genuine, kind, pleasant with everyone, came here under the guise of getting some head coaching experience so he could go back to UCLA, but it never happened because he got here and loved the place. He didn't want to leave, and people didn't want him to leave, and uh, he's been here ever since, and I think we're all appreciative of that. You, know, you get here, you know, Denny's here. When you get the full-time play-by-play job, uh, coach is the coach. What, do you remember your first impression of, of meeting Denny Crum? Do you remember you know, that day that you first had a conversation with him? I do. I actually came to work at the station at WHS in 1973, and that was his, I think, going into his third season. And uh, I, I actually was did the games that first year through a long story of why that happened and how, but I went up and it was at some event, I don't remember what, that he just happened to be at, and I introduced myself, and he was just as kind and pleasant as he could be. And through that first year, I, I did broadcast games and, and got to know Denny then, and then uh, stayed in contact with him as a, a TV and radio reporter over the years, and then got to doing the games again in 1990 and in, in uh, what 95. Uh, so during all that time, I mean, he was always such a, a pleasure to deal with, and then especially when you get to where you are the play-by-play guy and you're around him constantly on the road in hotels at meals before and after games and um, then even in the off season, I mean, you know, you know, if there was a charity golf tournament, Denny was probably there. <laughs> and uh, he was just around helping charities, helping the city, helping the community, being friends to people, and uh, was just like another guy in town. That was so, what was so neat about Denny, he was just so approachable. He wasn't a superstar. I mean, he was, but he didn't act like it. And uh, people gravitated toward him. He never said no to an autograph, never turned down a charity request. And that was just the way, the, the nature of Denny Crum. As great a basketball coach as he was, I think people will remember him more just for his connection with, with people and to this community. When you're first hanging around the program in the 70s and Denny starting his coaching career here in the 70s, obviously Louisville basketball is in a good spot. Uh, you know, they're, they're a national power. But did you ever foresee the type of ascent that was going to happen over, over the next 10 to 15 years where Louisville goes from really good to, like, Final Four every year winning national titles under Coach Crum? No, it was hard to envision that. And you make a good point. I, I think sometimes people think Louisville basketball began with Denny Crum, and it did not. Peck Hickman did some really good things at Louisville under an extremely limited budget and facilities. Uh, won an NIT when it was a very prestigious tournament. Had fabulous players such as Butch Beard and Wes Hunsold and the like. Yeah, but when Denny came, it took them to the new level. I mean, they were the invoke team in the 80s. I mean, championships, Final Fours, the Doctors of Dunk, a playing style that people loved. And he, he took them to heights that uh, people, I think, just could hardly imagine. And um, so such great heights that it's hard to sustain, as we've all seen. I mean, Lola's gotten there again from time to time, but they've had a hard time sustaining what Denny Crum had. And uh, that tells a lot about what he did and how he accomplished it and, and how he did it. Do you have a, I'm sure you've been asked this before, do you have a go-to Denny Crum story, at least one that you can tell on the radio? <laughs> I, 
there are a lot, but I'll give you a good one that to me is just an example of what I've been talking about. In 1997, which as it turned out was Denny's last really good team, they lost the regional final to North Carolina. Uh, fell way behind, made a good run, got really close to it, and then North Carolina had a big run at the end and, and won the game and that end of the season. So we're doing the post-game interview. We're in Syracuse. The game was played at the Carrier Dome. And during that interview, as used to frequently happen in those days, somebody pulled the plug and knocked us off the air. Well, Denny got up with me, and we walked back to the press room and got on the telephone and called the radio station and continued and concluded the post-game interview. That, that's just what Denny Crum did. Whatever you needed and whatever was part of the job, he would do whatever it took to uh, complete the job. And it was never an issue. It was never, it was never. Oh gosh, do we have to do this? What are we doing? No, it's just okay. Well, let's go back here. We'll finish it up here. And that was just sort of the, uh, a typical story of, of what working with Denny Crum was like. We, one of the common things that we've talked about today that seems to keep coming up is the fact that Crum is such a he's not even a throwback. He's a you never could have envisioned a story where a guy who grew up on the West Coast and you know, came of age in the UCLA program, could come to Louisville, Kentucky, build it into a power, spurn UCLA, and just stay here forever, even after his coaching career came to an end. I mean, how, I don't know if unusual is the right word, but how refreshing has it been since his, his retirement to have him still around this program? Well, I think that's all part of the deal. As I said at the beginning, he came here and really made no bones about it. He wanted some head coaching experience so he could go back to UCLA. Uh, but coming from Southern California and the glitz and the glamour, he loved the lifestyle of Louisville. He had a farm for a while. Well, still does sort of, but originally bought another farm. He got into thoroughbred racing. He just liked the uh, the local community. The fit. You couldn't be more, you know, L.A. here is Louisville area, not Los Angeles. <laughs> and even though it's another L.A., it's a totally different L.A., and yet he just loved it here. And stayed here through his coaching career, and, and I will never forget. I think I've choked up three times in all my years on the air, and one of them was his final game when uh, it was announced that he was retiring and this would be it. And they had a post-game ceremony, and he made a brief talk, and the last thing he said was, you know, he encouraged the people, you know, stay a fan, be a Louisville fan, support this community, and I will be a Cardinal forever. And when he said that, I mean, I think the whole place just – fell into tears, <laughs> including me. Uh, and that was, uh, it, it was something you would not have foreseen when he first came here. UCLA offered him the job a couple of times. In fact, I think maybe three or four times over different periods of time when he was here. And the last time I thought he was going to take the job, I talked to him when he had not decided and he was really torn. Uh, and it turned out he did not. And at that point, and I can't remember exactly what year that was, but at that point, I pretty much knew that he was a lifer. He was going to be a Louisville for the rest of his life, and indeed he was. Well, Paul, you're a lifer as well. We, we love the men's basketball program, keeping all these legends around for as long as they possibly can, and, and we love that you're still a part of it, and we love that you spent some time with us sharing some thoughts on Coach Crum today. I know you got a jet, but we appreciate the time, Paul. Appreciate it, Mike. Good talking to you. All right. Uh, Paul Rogers, voice of the cards there. He's the best. Hey, there is something about this, this this program. You get legends in here, and they just don't leave. Paul, Kenny Klein, Coach Crum. It just seems Patino to be— Patino didn't want to leave. Patino would have stayed here forever, I, mean, I think. He kind of wants to come back a little I, bit. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in a perfect world, he would have stayed here forever. Just Again, it just kind of it gets in your blood. I do love the last story that Paul shared there is, is my favorite because— yeah, you have all that animosity, all these—it was very much—we talk about the factions that are present in the UFL mm -hmm. fan base right now today 
arguing over the Kenny Payne stuff and the direction of the program. You very much had factions back then, maybe even more divided factions when you know, Team Jurich, Team Crum and all this stuff. And Crum's final act as the official representative of this program is to try to unite everybody, to yeah. try to say, like, I'm look, I may not like the way this is happening. It's not going to change the fact that I'm a Cardinal for life. I encourage you to still cheer for the program. It's a far cry from some of the stuff that we heard during the last coaching search where it was, I mean, you, you, you had former players who were like, I don't want to be a part of the program if they're not going to hire who I who I want. And like, you and I, I mean, as fans, we can't really understand that. Like, I can't put myself in that position, if, even if you make a hire that I don't agree with, which is what happened. Like, I'm still rooting with every fiber of my being for this program to be as strong as it possibly can. And Coach Crum, I mean, he embodied that. It feels like, I think that's why he's so beloved around here. Not only was he the most successful coach in the history of the program, but he became a fan who kind of was as passionate as us, who was just like us yeah. in his later years, which is what was so refreshing to see. And I, you know, I guess I said something about that earlier, like just to, to, to you know, piggyback on what you're saying and what Paul brought up was, you know, like, like I said, when he left, I mean, you had people who were, even when Patino coming in and, you know, the excitement of that could be, were, you know, still crumb guys. And I'll like, never like, root for him, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to root for Patino. He's a UK guy. I don't care. They, they did crumb wrong, and, and that's and that's you know that's that's fine. I mean, but like you said, and I, like I said earlier, like crumb could have easily been you know poured gasoline on that fire as well, and been like, you know what, I, I am I don't I don't want I'm not they're they're letting, they're making me go. I don't want to go, but I got to go. Sure. And instead, no, he you know stood up, you know, and put instead of pouring gasoline as I said earlier, he threw sand on that fire and put it out, and was like, you know, hey, let's. You know, I, he could have he could he didn't even say this. He didn't be like, "Hey, I don't want to go, but I'm going to go." It's best. He's like, "I'm stepping down. I, it's my choice, whether you want to believe him or not." Part of me still doesn't to this day, but I mean, whatever. I mean, it's but he put the program first. But and he did. He he took the responsibility and he put the program first by doing that. And it's kind of and you know you bring that up just now. It's kind of you say that it, it makes me think how kind of weird that is that you have his former players being like doing the complete opposite of everything Denny would stand for. I mean, in this day and age, it's kind of weird now you say that, and, and I, I think yeah. about that. And you can take this into if you want to make it a political thing, like you can as well, where it's just like nobody ever seems to put the bigger entity first anymore. No, you know, it's not. You know, we have with both sides. You know, not my president. I'm not going to respect. Like, not you know, you got people not handing power over willingly. Like all, like all this stuff. And it's the same with. I mean, you've got people. If you want to take it to the more modern situation with the, the men's basketball program. People who are like, I'm still, you know, Patino's still my coach. Like, I don't respect, I'm not going to cheer for him with it. You, we had big boosters who checked out after Rick got fired. And it's just. Bring back Tom. I mean. I don't know. understand the whole, like, you can have your preference. You can be upset with the way that things went, but not putting the bigger thing first, which in this case is the men's basketball program. And I guess U of Athletics as a whole. I don't understand it. And when you've got the guy who, like we said, we, I think we're all pretty much in agreement, is the name in the history of Uval sports, who's coming out and saying, look, I, I may not like this, but I'm still a fan. You should be a fan. Please keep cheering. Like what a, what a selfless act in, in you know, his final stage. And not only that, but to follow through on it. Cause it's one thing to say it when you're, you're exiting, you want to have a graceful exit. You want people to write nice things about you. You want to go out the right way, 
But he could have easily stopped going to games. He could have easily no, yeah, yeah. moved to California, started yeah. going to UCLA games and becoming a UCLA fan. Or just, or just every damn game. Gone out in the farm, retired, just, just kind of stayed you know, off the spotlight. or Started tweeting mean things when Twitter comes around. <laughs> vague tweets. The eyeball emojis after every bad loss. I mean, or just you know, something we haven't talked about as much, go on his radio show with Joe B and just, just bashes. Can you imagine Denny Crumb after the Cypher story broke, so if he just like tweeted out the eyeball emojis? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just, he could have done stuff like that. He never did. He never did. He was at the Final Four every time we went. He was celebrating the national title like all of us in 2013. I still don't think he probably knew what Twitter was at the end. But I mean, still. he did have an account, but it was yeah, it, it, it was sure very did, clearly yeah. not run yeah, by Denny. Yeah, I mean, that's sad. yeah. God, something tells me Facebook and Twitter were probably something he never messed with. He came to our, the studios <laughs> when we were over at ESPN Louisville, and like afterwards, it was like. The, 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 whoever's running the account like Twitter he's like hanging with that card chronicle eating some donuts I'm like there's no way this is Denny I was like I don't think Denny knew who I was until we sat down for the interview and then you look at Denny and go cast your cell phone he's like huh yeah <laughs> what's, what's this? no I don't have a cell phone <laughs> but it would have been funny if he but he could have easily found ways to say yeah. the same thing and to, to be spiteful and he never did well especially did. like I said he could have just like said stop going to games or stop being public I mean it, it wasn't even the fact he just like didn't even just like shy away and not say anything negative and did the, you know, like your mom used to tell you, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all? Sure. He was still saying nice stuff regardless whether he maybe had had to or not. And he had every reason to be angry at maybe at Louisville. Could have sat home and quietly rooted against the team for the rest of his Could have easily done it. And he, like I said, he, I mean, there's reason for him to be angry at Louisville. Maybe he wanted to. But I guess the other part of him, like, you know, he's just a good guy that knew that maybe, you know, maybe it was my time. Imagine if, and I say this as somebody who, who loves Rick Pitino. Imagine if Rick Pitino had been forced out at the end of his career the way that Denny Crum was. Can you can you envision Rick Pitino staying in Louisville and going to games and being like, "Hey guys, like no, I may be <laughs> I may be upset, but let's L1C4, let's keep going." Like, no, Pitino would have never stood. He would have been as spiteful as you could possibly be. Yeah, I mean, sued us. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even you can very clearly make a case that he did not get a raw deal in leaving and he very much was like, "They locked my door on me. I hate everybody forever." Like this is like Crum I think he had even more of a case to be upset with the way that things were handled, and yet he went out a- a- as classily as you possibly can. Like you said, he he could have easily, he was 63 years old, could have easily gone and coached. Sure. I mean, there was, I, I, who was available in 2001? I don't know, but I'm sure there was, I mean, pretty much everybody in the SEC because it wasn't what it is today. I mean, there, he probably could have had his pick of any program other than maybe UK and Florida at the time, the down there. I mean, he could have gone, you know, he could have gone back to in 2001, where was you? He could have back to UCLA at the time. Sure, I mean that or was somewhere post, on the West that, Coast. That was post Jim Herrick era. I mean that was I'm trying to remember who UCLA's coach was in 01, but I want to say was that was probably um, probably uh, Lapis, wasn't it? I think, uh, but they would have loved that. 63 year old Crum was probably better than Lapis. <laughs> it is strange, and I, I guess time just does this for everybody. But I still envision like, when Crum retired. He was so old to me, you know. He, he, he was, did well, yeah. I mean. You know, he's a, he's over the hill. Like this is, you know, he's the next step is death, and like you're thinking all this. Like he was 63, and now you look at it like Patino was 63 eight years ago when Louisville was was going to the Elite Eight in 2015. Like, and we didn't view him as as coming up at the end of his career. And now looking back at it with adult eyes and not looking at him you know, as somebody who just was a kid during the Denny Crum era, you can see that he could have easily coached another 10 years if he wanted to, and instead he chose. He's like, I'm, I'm happy. I choose happiness. I choose to stick around the program. I choose to accept this. I think he still had a, a role at U of L. I know he had an office down there on campus, um, and then started a, a radio show with his oldest rival 
which was hilarious. The, the length that they would go to to not talk about sports never never failed to make me laugh. Did you ever watch? I, I was never. I never really listened to the show a lot. I, I, never, I never listened to really sports uh, sports radio. Period. Well, I but I would turn then. it on. Yeah, I'd flip it on every now and then if there was like a big story, yeah. and it would be like you know Louisville and Kentucky had just played. And they'd talk about it for 30 seconds. Then it'd be like, well, I was down at the little lake last weekend. I caught this big – I was like, here they go. This, this is what they want to do. I'd catch it in the morning sometimes. But, yeah, it, it, I didn't listen to a lot of it. I usually listen to the national stuff on other channels. But, you know, I'd still – I mean, it's still cool. By the way, it was Steve Lavin, not Lapis. I don't know. Lavin, yeah. yeah. Lapis was Nova. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I was thinking maybe they coached one, but La- yeah, Lavin was coach there. A uh, couple quick texts here on the, the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450. And thanks to, to Paul Rogers. He had another interview lined up, so um, he had to, to jet that we couldn't keep him as long as we would have liked. Sorry, I cost you a few seconds. Cost like three or four minutes. It's yeah. okay. It's, it's, it's I don't know good. what I did. I, that was like my, I'd been on a good run by until then. I, I don't we know. had like six straight good phone interviews. Yeah, I think, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that was on his phone. If you screw Kenny Klein up, then I swear to God. <laughs> at least Kenny, I know, is nice enough to forgive me. Yeah, Kenny won't care. <laughs> I'll just blame it on you anyway if he's listening. I walked into, I, I didn't get a chance to tell a story because we were on the air Thursday or Friday, but I walked into the Jock Tales party Wednesday night. And like one of the first people I see is Kenny Klein. And he's like, he's like, if I could see one person tonight, it would have been you. I was like, my derby's already made. This is the best week of all time. 502 414 Text line says, uh, the Mbaco news sucks. <laughs> Good Lord, we just. We cannot get away from it. And Nolan Smith needs to do less talking behind the scenes. But none of that changes the undeniable fact that Mick Cronin sucks. <laughs> the, the Mick Cronin sucks, yeah. <laughs> I wish we could... Because I don't know I'm how this... I'm Mick Cronin sucks, guy. <laughs> the, the basketball, however this news is getting out, they need to take a page from the football side where the, the staff... And Brady Brom and these people, they only tweet the, uh-oh, hearing some good news coming, when they know that it's about to come, when the kid is like, hey, I'm committed, I'm announcing it at 2. Then they start putting out the vague tweets at, like, noon. We, we, we're, we're getting this with basketball all the time, and then just nothing happens. I mean, we had the the widespread reports two weeks ago that RJ Luis is committing on Wednesday and Mbako this weekend. Well, neither of those things happen. Then we're left with just these vague tweets out there. And then the like, it's fine if the information changes, but the point is like we don't need vague tweets when we've got a, a good lead. When when the the news is hearing good things about Mbako, we need the vague tweets when it's hey Mbako's locked up and he's committing this uh, today in like two hours because it just it gets everybody into a frenzy. It pisses off the people who are already pissed off even more. It gets the hopes up of people who are you know overly optimistic right now or extremely optimistic right now. We just I don't know how it's happening, but it, it ha- that that has to stop. We've got to stop doing that because it's getting super obnoxious. What was what, what, who were the names that came up that we were at Oxmoor and the uh, it was it was Hunter Dickinson just announced he was transferring. Yes, Which, he he beat Kansas. And I missed that. He's or? going to Kansas. Okay, that was special. Okay, I couldn't remember if I saw that. Well, his recruitment's been so weird in the transfer portal. I wasn't sure if that was an actual official announcement. Yeah, it was, or if that was something else. Okay, he announced it on his podcast. <laughs> what a world we live in. He kind of comes off like a tool a little bit, but okay. He does. Yeah. It's a, and that's just not just from that. I've watched him play, but, um, <laughs> oh yeah. 
So that was the day, like, no one did the eye emoji, like, right when it announced. Is it the was, eating popcorn emoji. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay, okay, I can remember. And I, we had no idea what was going and, on. And, and, I'll be honest, we still don't know what he was talking okay, about. I was going to say, what were our options that day? We went, like, four things. It was Dickers, Dickinson, Dickinson it was, which we know it's not now. It was L. Ellis uh, coming back. Yeah, and then which it we was, know it's not now. It was, which I think the actual, I think it was about Churchill Abbas, which also which didn't we know, Which we didn't get either. But those are the only three things. I thought there was four. I thought there was a fourth one, but I could be no, wrong. No, because Mbaka wasn't even available at that point. That's true, okay, And yeah. then the Mbaka news broke, and it was like, he's locked up he's coming here and then we don't even get a visit i mean i'm assuming with with dickinson picking kansas and baco would be probably leading iu wouldn't you think well no but then kansas the reason why i got a little bit nervous is they when had it really they cleared a roster spot the next day dickinson commits and then like two days ago they had a kid enter the transfer portal yeah, out of nowhere that's true i know he's a center so maybe you can say he's doing that because of dickinson but they definitely clear cleared room for him on the roster I'll be surprised if he doesn't go to, to Kansas. But I mean, if he goes to IU, we have to play him next year, right? Don't we play IU next year? Potentially, in that because we, we're in that four team event. We play. We'll play three of. The, we'll play either IU, um, Texas, or UConn. We'll play two games against those three. So there's a chance that we wouldn't play IU, but it's more likely than not that we will. Yeah, because I mean, we'll we'll just play whoever loses along with us. I've heard that like, the the buzz that I've gotten uh, is that we're going to play UConn in the first game there, and then we'll play either the winner or the loser of Texas UConn, which or Texas uh, Indiana. Sounds like Indiana. I don't know. Texas hasn't reloaded completely yet. So. Yeah, they they're still they're doing pretty well. I'm just not big on the cut. The, the, I mean, I think they're going to take a step Terry, back. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Um, the yeah, it's by the way, I just. Uh, I, a friend of the pro, the show, Eric Crawford, uh, just put it out there like his article. Uh-huh. Love the headline. The, the man, co- who, the man came who came to stay. stay. Yeah. I saw that earlier. Yeah, it's a great headline. It's yeah. I haven't had a chance to. Read I, know, it, I don't know if he came up sure with Crawford it, but he can it. take credit for it. But if he didn't come up for it, the, the headline guy should get a high five for that one. That's a good one. Texas, my friend and I met coach in Indy in 2009. We were tipsy and feeling ballsy, so we snuck into the <laughs> alumni party at Jillian's and went straight to Denny's table to ask for a picture. Security cut us off, but Coach took two separate pictures with us before we got tossed. Fast forward six months, he's doing an autograph signing at Kroger and remembered our drunk asses. He was a sincerely nice guy. He So that's the thing that you know, my dad covered him in the 80s briefly. He was, my dad wasn't a, wasn't a sports guy. He wrote Metro columns. But he would every now and then those columns would be about Sorry, sports. we played the Metro Conference. Right. So every now and then they'd be about sports. So he would interact with Denny from time to time. And every time that my dad would run into him like the nineties, the early two thousands. Then he always remembered him. Like just, you know, you, he's met a thousand reporters in his life. It, yeah. Hundreds of reporters every single year. And he always just remembered my dad, which I thought was insanely impressive. Uh, Texas says, I'm hearing rumors that McKenzie did not want competition from the Flintstone kid as TK refers to him. Also <laughs> guards. The big rumor that's out there is Kansas uh, offered him all this money to not visit Louisville. I'll say the same thing I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. I don't believe anything that comes out of this McKenzie and Baco recruitment. I don't at all because every fan base has these insiders that are reporting all these different things, and then they're like, oh, I don't know what I don't know what happened. I don't know where that came from. We're all just getting fed terrible information by this kid of people around him. Like it, it's just I don't believe it. I, he may commit to DePaul this weekend. I've got no idea what's going to happen here, but I don't believe anything that's out there on right, hot now. Street right now. I know what people are being told. I know. I mean, all we're getting is the information that's being fed to them, which has been bogus all the way along. So I, there's no point in me believing this latest chapter. I just don't, I don't believe anything. I don't believe anything that comes out of this. Apparently, uh, DJ Robbins could just transfer to USC. Who? <laughs> exactly. I didn't know Dennis Robbins' son played college basketball. Did you? I knew he had a kid that was playing yeah. just because I looked it up after that 30 for 30 on him. Oh, I didn't even see that. But uh, I didn't think he was any good. I, well, he played at Washington State apparently last year. He is now officially transferred to USC. Okay. 
I guess USC's just going for the uh, the legacy program next year. Sounds like it. <laughs> uh, Rick Pacino's put out a statement, by the way. He said, I was saddened to learn the passing of Denny Crum. My prayers are with his family. He was beloved by all Cardinal fans. Yeah, I guess I'm, yeah, my timeline's full of the Jeff Walls sent out the tweet. And... All right, we got to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be joined by Kenny Klein, who will share his thoughts on the passing of Coach Crum. Uh, that's coming up your your way in the 5 o'clock hour. We will have an early show, early exit today, because 5.30, 5, Louisville Bats coverage will start. I was going to say, I just, Cal Perry just tweeted, which is good, because do you know who Crum's last victory was against? Cal? Memphis. Over Memphis? I know he lost to UAB in the last. He lost, that was in the tournament, though. Right, but his last his last career victory was against oh, Memphis. Perfect, suck it, Cal. What, I mean, you better way to go out, yeah, by beating both Cal and Memphis. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Kenny Klein joins us here on fourteen fifty ninety six one, the Big X. Welcome in 5 o'clock hour here of the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X as we continue to look back at the life and the legacy of Denny Crum, the Cardinal legend, the Hall of Famer, who passed away earlier today at the age of 86. We've had Scott Davenport and Paul Rogers on. Now we're going to be joined by another Cardinal legend, Kenny Klein, who joins on the phone line. Kenny, I know you've been uh, uh, all over the place today and I know a lot's going on, so we appreciate you spending some time with us here this afternoon. Glad to do it. Your, I guess, just your initial thoughts today uh, when, you, when you learned the news that Coach Crum has passed away at 86. You know, it's certainly a sad day for for so many people here, not just at the university, but within our whole community because of so much that he's, Coach Crum did within this community. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, you, you know he's had an extended illness and such, but... Uh, when you get that call uh, uh, that it's ha- occurred, it just hits you a little bit harder. Uh, so it is a it is a very sad day, but uh, but one that we do was was coming at some point. But uh, it's going to happen to all of us, I suppose, at some point. But uh, still, hits you very hard when you first hear it. You get to Louisville in the 1980s. Coach Crum has the basketball program rolling. Do you remember your your, your first interaction with him? You know, it was uh, it was interesting because that was it was in 1983. Uh, I got here in the fall in late July, uh, right after the the Dream Game. So the first uh, regular season uh, game that year was going to be our uh, the, the renewal of the rivalry with Kentucky. Uh, but to walk in and see Coach, it was at first I walk into uh, Crawford Gym and I'm saying this is where they practice. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I said, I, I just kind of been at Moorhead state for a year and a half. And I think what we had at Murray was a little bit better than uh, what they had there. So I'm thinking, wow, this must be something special, you know, little Louisville basketball and everything it is. And I, I go in, he made me feel at home right away. Uh, 
23 years old walking in and he's he's wondering what's this guy coming in and uh he embraced me and uh and really helped me along made things very very easy for me uh to come in and uh and be be a little bit of help to everybody i hope uh at the time that i came in so it was uh it was a terrific experience and he he became a very good friend and uh we had so many great experiences over the years how special was it? I mean, you're talking about being so young, you're starting your career in what is widely considered to be the heyday of Cardinal basketball, all those Final Fours, those national titles, you're kind of thrust right in the middle of it. I mean, what was it like to be working right in the belly of the beast at that moment in time in Cardinal basketball history? Yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to be around those guys. I mean, I, I you know, those our, our two seniors that year were uh, Charles Jones and Lancaster Gordon, and I'm I, I wasn't, but a, maybe a year older than those guys. So I mean, it was uh, it was fun to be around them. I, I you know I got to get out there and uh, you know be around them an awful lot at practice, after practices, before practice, uh, and and then just wanting to sit there and and learn from you know early on the uh, when I first got there our early practices about you know what we do and how we do them and uh, things of that nature and. Uh, and just to watch Coach Crum uh, from a teaching aspect, uh, to see all that happen and, uh, and you know, learn everything there so I could uh, have a little knowledge about the team and such. And, boy, it was, uh, it was eye-opening and, uh, and just you could understand very quickly uh, why we were successful, not just because we had great players, but uh, because we had a guy that knew exactly what he was doing and, and how to do it and how to do it effectively and how to teach. Talk with Kenny Klein here about the the memory and the legacy of Louisville men's basketball coach Denny Crum. You know, as Louisville continues to ascend as a program and Coach Crum grows even larger in stature, I think one of the things that people have said today, as we've talked to them, is that he never really changed. He was always as as approachable as he ever was. Did you find that to be your experience as well, as you continue to go on in your job? Very much so. Very much so. You know, we. Um, back in those days, we really didn't have a lot of you know, like a press conference before each game or those things, because you could come out pretty much any day and uh, get Coach Crumb before practice. Uh, and, uh, you know, some days if uh, if they were doing just general warm-up stuff, uh, he'd sit there and talk with some guys for a while before, before practice really got going. But he was certainly the guy in charge from that point. But, uh, but he, you know, he was very approachable every, everywhere we went. I mean, I, there was, couple things that I started I always started carrying a uh, uh, sharpie in my back pocket because everywhere we'd go somebody would want to get his uh, autograph and uh, he'd always be uh, scrambling for a pen or something so I always kept one in my pocket to be around him uh, uh, I was you know back in the day before cell phones we were uh, uh, we were somewhere I don't know where it was but we were trying to make a phone call and nobody had a quarter on them for things so he got on me about you know you need to carry a quarter so I carried a quarter in my pocket the whole time you know and everything so there were uh, you know just a lot of things that I'm thinking back on with him and so many you know dinners on the road and you know so many times we had so much fun you know away from the game so uh, but uh, was just a terrific terrific person to be around. Do you have a, a go-to Denny Crump story when people ask you that question, or at least one that you can tell on the radio? You know, not not really. I just, you know, it's just just every time I was around him, he was just always he was always 
wanting to do something for other people. You know, he was always, uh, he never, barely said no to people, you know, ever, you know, so many things here in town that he, he, he gave his time up to do things. I, you know, I remember there was a, there was a golf tournament down in the Bowling Green. With the, I can't remember the, the sheriff's name, but I know his name was Peanuts. But uh, we would go down there every summer and play in this golf thing. And, uh, and you know, he didn't just go there and play a few holes and get out of there, but we, we drove all the way down there, played the whole thing, and he stayed afterwards and participated in the whole event. You know, so it was – he, you know, he when when he was there to help you, he was all in for it and, and did everything he could for it. You know, I, just so many times on the road. I remember back in, uh, I, I'll tell you, back in, uh, when Tulane was in the league back in the old Metro Conference, we we would go to New Orleans. There's always so many great places to eat in New Orleans, but he had this one place that, boy, well, we're going to New Orleans. We were going to eat there. This uh, the chef would come out and make uh, uh, homemade uh, fettuccine noodles and do uh, fettuccine alfredo right there at the table where we sat and there he just he smiled so much he loved that so much man but uh but we went out a lot over the over the years i you know there were times when uh you know i was with him where we were you know the night before games it didn't we didn't do it often but there were times when he would we would go to dinner with the with the other coach you know we went out with uh bobby knight i, I was with him when we did that with uh uh, Jim Velvano, uh, you know, we were, uh, a, a great event that I was at. I was at an event. It was probably for coach Wooden or something. And I sat at a table. It was, it was coach crumb on one side of me, uh, coach Wooden on the other and, uh, Bill Walton, uh, sitting next to coach crumb. And I'm, I'm thinking, gosh, how lucky am I to be sitting <laughs> here with th- three generations of, uh, of UCLA, uh, excellence here. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's so many, things over the years that I've, you know, you really start thinking about things that, that happened and you, how blessed you are to have experienced them. The other thing that keeps coming up today is all the talk about, you know, Coach Crum comes here. He's not expecting to be here as a lifer. You know, there's a lot of thought that he's going to go back to UCLA at some point. Uh, he ends up staying here, not just for his entire coaching career, but the rest of his life, he stays here. You know, Paul Rogers talking about he took this job not expecting to be here forever. I, I'm sure you, at 23, did not expect to take that job and stay there forever. You're, and you, you're, not, you're retired, but you're not really retired. You're never going to retire. It's, it, it's Kenny Klein. <laughs> what is it about this men's basketball program that seems to just you know, get in people's blood and doesn't allow them to leave? You know, it's 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 everything it's it's the uh first it's it's the people around you that you that you're around and you're working with and fortunately over the years we've had great people and uh and and that care about this program and then you know you have the history of the of the program even when coach crumb got here you had uh, what peck hickman and john dromo had done and and left him a very senior laden team and i remember talking to coach crumb about what that first year was like and they made it to the final four and he says man that's what i thought you were supposed to do every year because he's coming from ucla so uh you know when you get here and people care about basketball here they care about they care about sports in general i don't want to say just basketball but but basketball has such a history here and and you just feel it you feel it from the fans you feel it from uh the again all the all the players that have come here before you that you see around the program still and still coming around. And that's been one of the good things of uh, the last few years in particular. We've had so many events with our uh, former uh, players that, that they've 
been able to get together and share so many stories about Coach Crom and in those days. But 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 Louisville is a special place for for basketball. I'm going to tell you, it's a it's a special place for athletics in general. I will tell you that. Uh, but but basketball means something to people here, and it and it has for so many years. And it's it's you you just feel it. I mean, you feel it. Yeah, that's that's. That's why when these uh, recruits are here on campus and in town and such, they feel it, you know. And I and and you can probably put up a good facade at, at other schools and, and other places and have people come up to you and say, "Hey, that's great here and great that." But you, you know, you really feel it here. It's, and I, I know I felt it, and I, I know it was it's it's continued to be that way. It's one thing for people to say the right things at their retirement, and, and Coach Crumb. When he was leaving the program, when he was retiring, he said, you know, I, I want everybody to keep cheering for UofL. I'm a Cardinal for life, all that stuff. It would have been understandable for him to kind of exit, maybe move or, or coach somewhere else or do something. Instead, he's very visible around the program. He's at every game. I mean, were you expecting it? Were you expecting to still have Denny Crump around so much after his retirement in 2001? I did because he loves this this city. I mean, he loves this community. He really and truly does. And then has in, had invested so much of his life into this community that uh, his friends were here. I mean, this was this is his home, man. I mean, so so yes. I mean, there, there were some difficult moments for sure. There's you know you don't have to kid kid around. I mean, there were some difficult moments there, obviously when when he departed. But but he also I think felt uh, felt pretty good about being retired once he was retired and being out there because he had he had heard from so many of his other. Uh, uh, contemporaries that uh, that they were doing pretty good too, uh, stepping away from it, and and he was still. I mean, you talked about me sticking around a little bit, but he he still worked for the university for for several years after uh, after his departure as a coach. So uh, so he was still very much a part of it, wanted to be a part of it though, and then wanted to give of his time, and thought that that was a that was an honor for him for them for people to even want him to be involved in things. So it was uh, it's a special person for sure. Uh, Kenny, we, we appreciate the time, man. I, I know there's a lot going on, so for you to, to spend some time with us, it means a lot. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you at some point in the very, very new future. Thanks again, uh, Kenny. Glad to do it. See you. Uh, that was Kenny Klein, uh, SID. He, he says he's retired. He's not really retired. He's, he, he's you know, that was the one thing I said when he retired. I'm like, make sure it's a real retirement, not like a 20% retirement. And sure enough, he's still he's still doing typical Kenny Klein stuff. No, he's, he's actually retired. He just, the only time he comes out is just to, to mess with you. Maybe that's what it is. It's just to prevent you. Like he's just like he's retired, but he's like. But when you try to get back into the stadium, he's like, no, no. That's the one thing I'm gonna. Yeah, do. He's, he's not. He's not going away. That's just, just not allowing back in. But that, <laughs> he's I, the I only know, non-red seat in the stadium. <laughs> I know Kenny's hustling and bustling, <laughs> so uh, we appreciate uh, him and Paul Rogers and Scott Davenport for spending some time there with us. And it, it sounds like you know the messages that we're getting from people, text line with fans, um, the people we've had on the the hotline today, it's all so consistent. The fact that he was. He was who he was from start to finish. Didn't matter if it was when he got here as a young head coach. Didn't matter if he became you know, the Hall of Famer in the 90s, the guy who won multiple national titles, the guy who was retired. Always approachable. Always patient. Mm-hmm. Always, it just, It's so refreshing to hear that about somebody because you just, man, one of a kind. We're not going to have – there's never going to be another Denny Crum, and I feel so fortunate that we all had the ability – and the opportunity to root for him and to see him, even in his later years, still being a part of this U of L men's basketball program. 
I couldn't have said it better myself, except I would have messed up a few words. It's okay. I, I kind of did too. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but mine are more easily more noticeable than yours. 502 414 is the Thornton Sacks line. We got about 10 minutes here before we got to get out of here today. We got Louisville Bats baseball coming your way. 535 is the cover. Two of the best playing tonight. Uh, I forget, but they're at home now. They're at home. We're, we've got but not, not one week, but two weeks at home because of the uh, last. They had that weird schedule where they spent two weeks on the road. Correct. And uh, now that Nick is back, and trust me, now I'm sure Nick is wonderfully glad to be home uh, after being in Omaha and Idaho, Iowa the last uh, two weeks. With uh, I can't remember who. I think they're it's playing Columbus. Char- Columbus. Okay, I was going to say Charlotte because I remember seeing the C. And I know my, my buddies who bought season tickets to the Bats, like this is their first home game that's included in their season ticket uh, schedule package. Nice. So they're excited for that. Uh, just Speaking of Columbus. They're not They're not the Yankees band. They're, they, they move. I, I think they're the Indians now. That sounds about right, yeah. That means because yeah, more more of the AAA have become very more geographical. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of Columbus, did you see the? Yeah, we mentioned in passing the NHL draft lottery was going to be last night. Ah. It's the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, and everybody's so excited yeah. about that. They like, like everyone thinks it's rigged now. Oh, the, the national they screwed it up. The national show I was driving in here. Um, I don't know his name, so I'm sorry. Wake up. Something, I think. He, he loves the show too. He, he does. He listens right now. I doubt it. Furious. Uh, if, he, if he wants to listen, I can give him some advice on how to be a good sports guy. Oh boy! <laughs> but, but he was he was going off on the lottery. Oh, it's terrible. So he, I, he, he, he was making me mad because he was like, "And who wonders who, who even knows how the NBA lottery works?" I'm like, "It's kind of actually obvious, but okay." Uh, so, the, but, what, but, yeah. but what exactly happened last night? Because you know, my Danny, who did the podcast with, is like a diehard Jackets fan. Now that he lives in Columbus, and they have they had the number one odds. They had right? the number two odds. Okay, how, explain to me, is is it done the same way as the NBA is done? It is. Like you have I think Anaheim had the best odds. They were like twenty five percent. Okay. The Jackets were second, they were like thirteen percent. Okay. The Blackhawks were third, they were like ten percent, and, and so forth. And it goes and, down and down and down. Okay. But so, they're they're doing the draft lottery yeah. show the same way they do the NBA show. You've got the commissioner out there surprise and he's yeah. you know, they're doing the like with the seventh pick and then they flip over the card and it shows who it is and they get the reaction from the representative there. And so they go to they flip over the fourth pick. And they're like, and it's this, who I don't even remember who it was. But they, so there are three teams left on the board. It's the, it's Anaheim, it's the Blackhawks, and it's the Blue Jackets. So the, so no one jumped up. It was the three that should be. Right, exactly. Yeah. And the ESPN guy immediately goes, and there's our first drop of the night is the Blue Jackets get the third pick. And they start showing like Blue Jackets highlights and all this stuff. <laughs> and they're like, and it's for that first pick, it's down to just Anaheim and Chicago. And they go to break. And like Danny's like, Am I taking like insane pills? Like, what just happened? He's like, am I hallucinating right now? They never flipped the card. They didn't show it. And it's supposed to be this deal where, you know, nobody knows who the picks are. Like, nobody knows what the order is, except for the commissioner's got the cards. Well, and the ESPN guy just jumped the gun and was like, the Blue Jackets have the third pick. They never showed it. Oh, they and didn't. So, and so, of course, everybody just thinks this thing's clearly rigged. <laughs> the Blackhawks are one of their bigger franchises. They're giving them Bedard. Yeah. They've just lost uh, two of their their all you know, all world generational talents have just retired. Now they're starting over. Like, it, and everybody's just like, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged. It's hilarious. I, uh, I was just like, usually when they do the NBA, they go to commercial for the flats too. They'll do three and then get. Well, that's what they were doing, but they, yeah, they, 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 they didn't show the, the flipping over the Blue Jackets. Now, the, the third do pick. they not do this in a secret room with, with representatives and the, and, and the good people from Ernst and Young like they do the NBA? I don't know if they do or not. It's the only law firm I'll ever know for the rest of my <laughs> life is the, the law firm of Ernst and Young because they're always. They still to this day are the ones that sit in on the NBA lottery pool. Um, so <laughs> that's, I'm not surprised. Again, the hockey, 
NHL, I mean, has tried to pattern itself after 80s NBA for decades and, and still do. But, uh, I mean, the Blackhawks, yeah, cause he was screaming conspiracy on the show. And I'm like, and, he, and I assume when he, and I knew Blackhawks had won from listening to that. And I was under the impression, like, you're screaming conspiracy. Like, the Blackhawks probably had, like, the 10th the best record or something. Like, they moved up. No, they had the second best, okay, third, well, third best That's odds. not a conspiracy, really. I mean, you had to move. Because he was comparing it to the Spurs winning the um, the French kid in this coming up lottery. Oh, like, Wimbiyama. And, uh, and he was like, and everybody's going, like, first of all, A, the NBA doesn't want San Antonio to get the stars half the time because it's a market that doesn't move the needle. Second, they've done it already twice. They were they had the best record in the in the lottery twice, and both won Robinson and and uh, Duncan both times. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I don't think it's gonna happen a third time. I'd be shocked, but I just yeah, I, I, <laughs> poor Blue Jackets, because no one knows he's going second in that draft, do they? No, it's 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 not like the this year's NBA draft where Wembyama's the, the guy. But people are like, this Scoot Henderson could also be fantastic at two. People like Brandon Miller. There's another G League guy that's really good. Like, this is very much a Connor Bedard and, like, who cares? <laughs> not, and I know it's not that simple, but to, like, like he is viewed as, like, the next Gretzky. And whoever's the second best prospect is could be really good, but he's not Connor Bedard. I'm surprised Jenna didn't want to come on the show today. We could have had her on. I mean, our Blackhawks correspondent. Bring her on tomorrow and talk about it. How yeah. she's there, got a jersey already made. We got, like, four minutes left. We can get her on. <laughs> Give her 30 seconds. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we do have to take a moment in these last four minutes to throw some shade at TMZ. I don't know if you've seen the headline. No. Uh, TMZ posted a story. Uh, Louisville Cardinals coaching legend Denny Crum did at 86. The picture, I'll show you the picture. That would be Dean Smith. Although Crum is in the picture that he's talking to Dean Smith, but you can it's like the back of his head. <sighs> you can tell somebody just, they Getty image searched yeah, Denny Crum. I mean, that came up. But even now, though is that TMZ sports or TMZ normal? It's TMZ normal. Not that there's really a big difference, exactly. I don't think, but yeah. still, I mean. Throw them all in jail. I mean. Everyone who works at TMZ should be locked up tonight. What do you expect? Twitter still thinks Chris Mack is our coach every time we played a game last year. That's Elon. <laughs> That's, <laughs> Get with it, Elon. Elon and TMZ in jail. Figure this out. Get it fixed. Yeah, put down that water bottle you drink every time during the show, you, you tool, and, and get a real photo. Ridiculous. Absurd. I mean, DNC fans are probably pissed about that, too. By the way, people, a lot of people are correcting you that Ernst & Young is an accounting firm. It's not, it's not oh, a, it's not a lawyer? It's not a law firm. I always the, thought it was a law firm. accounting firm of Ernst & Young. I mean, I had the right name, right? Give me credit for that one, right? You did. I always I, thought it was a law firm. It's an accounting firm? Accounting firm. Oh, what's the difference? And one does accounting and one does law. <laughs> it's right there in the name. No, the name is Ernst & Young. <laughs> it's an accounting firm, CPA firm. Texture says, uh, thank you for making me laugh this afternoon. I always tell people that UofL fans become family to each other. In my opinion, Coach Crum is a huge part of that for me. He was a wonderful human being, and I hope that he's enjoying the fishing where he is. Yeah, I mean, he says, also, P.S., please check on us older UofL fans. We need it. Well, you, I can imagine. But need to check on you for last year, too. So I mean, I mean it, it hurts it hurts me losing Denny Crum, who was certainly a staple of my childhood. Yeah. But, yeah, I certainly can understand how if you grew up as a diehard Louisville fan like the 60s and the 70s, seeing Coach Crum come in here and take this program to a level that you maybe didn't even think was possible, he probably means even more to you than he does to, to fans who are myself and Trevor's age. I can totally get that. Um, but everybody's hurting. I mean, it's, sure. still, it's still meant a lot to me, even though I mean, we were maybe a little behind yeah. the, the – the, the time is still, I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he's always going to be in, in any sport. I mean, Denny Crum was in my, you know, 
right there with you know Andy Reid to me in football, or I'm, I've always been a big Larry Brown fan. Who I'm sure that time is coming soon enough as well, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I mean he's right up there, and as a little fan, it makes him that much more special, and always will. He kind of felt like our like collectively, even for older fans, like our our U of L sports dad. You know, he's still showing up there. He's yeah. still you still want to get picked. He's still having events. He's having the he would always hold that uh, potato soup. Um, event like he was always still in, involved in the community and even as he got older and you know was less mobile was a little bit less lively he still he felt like he was a father figure to all of us one of my favorite things is still the uh, picture from the 86 title game that I remember I'll just never forget as a kid I saw it in a flaky Jake's bathroom weird of all places I know but and I just it's that portrait of you know from the 86 game where you know uh, nervous nervous is dunking on I think Mark Al, uh, Ali Ali what his name was a Duke and he had to in the corner, you had Milt like pinning down Johnny Dawkins, and in the upper corner, you had Crumb with the rolled up. Yeah, um, it's the famous. I mean, it's still. I I, I was I love that. I saw it as a kid, and I was always wanted it, wanted it, and then uh, actually got it as a Christmas gift from in a, in a, from a girl, the one who wanted me to dig up the ex boyfriend. She actually gave she it. Wasn't to all me. bad. No, it's weird enough. Of all the things, she had some good ideas. That picture, she gave it to me in my Christmas of 2000. I gave her Sopranos season one. Uh, <laughs> but she gave me that portrait to this day. That portrait made it all the way to Western with me back. It's to, it's still hanging right behind my TV right now. I look at it every night. Uh, that's how much I love that. I mean, it was the best thing she ever, definitely ever did in our relationship. That's hilarious. <laughs> Other than trying to get me arrested for, for stealing a body. <laughs> See, she wasn't all that bad. Just them giving it her. <laughs> well, that's an understatement. Texas, uh, <laughs> never forget we beat UNC and Duke with, with Smith and Duke with K in the same run in 1986. Looking back in hindsight, pretty impressive. Did we beat UNC in that run? In 86, the 86 tournament? I don't remember. Did we beat them in the regular season? I think we beat them in the, in the, in the, the regular season. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember beating because that, that tournament run was, uh, was, was a, I think it was Bradley in the first round. I should know that I had the T-shirt with our bracket on it, and I used to wear it all the time as a kid. And it just, it's been so long since I've now done it. And I don't can't remember as well. We no, we did beat North Carolina in the in the tournament. Oh, okay. I did not remember that. Should have remembered that. We beat them ninety four seventy nine. That in, a sweet- in the uh, Sweet Sixteen. Okay. Drexel, Bradley, UNC, Drexel, Bradley. Auburn, LSU, Duke. LSU and Bradley, I was and Duke were the one three I remembered the best. Yeah, beat them down pretty good. Ninety four seventy nine. Suck it, Dean. <laughs> Love you, they would have beaten Kentucky too, but they choked against LSU. That's kind of a crazy run. Looking back on it, what a way to win a title! The one seed in our bracket was St. John's. Yeah. I did would not. You could have given me a few guesses on that one. I got it wrong. All right, we got to get out of here a little bit early today. Uh, we've got Louisville Bats yeah. baseball coming your way. Five thirty-five is when the coverage is going to start. Uh, Bats taking on Columbus back at home. Nick Curran will take it away, but uh, certainly. Thoughts and prayers for everybody connected with the show here uh, or with uh, Denny Crum and, and those who, who loved him, those who are, are our family, those who are hurting and mourning his loss right now. Uh, we will move on. We'll get back to, man, you know, it's like we, we had lots of stuff to talk about today. It was going to be a goofy day. It too. was going to be a goofy day. It was be a very goofy day. The goofiness will come back tomorrow. Obviously, we'll, we'll pay more attention to this McKenzie and Baco news, yeah. which we kind of danced around. We, we need your recap on Shallow How. We will talk Shallow How. DoorDash sent, door me, out, sent me on a, on, a, on a vacation yesterday. Uh, the Kraken play tonight, don't they? The Kraken play tonight. We'll get right. to all that good stuff. That, yeah. But uh, before we leave, big, big, big thanks to Scott Davenport, Paul Rogers, and Kenny Klein, who took some time out of a, a busy, unexpectedly busy Tuesday to come on here and share some stories with us. So we really appreciate that. All right, we will get back to the goofiness tomorrow. 
RIP Coach Crum. We'll love you forever. Go Cards.